Hey everyone, it's Craig. And Katya. And you know what we want to tell them about? Hawaii Five O is having a sale on pilgrim hats. That's right. And pumpernickel. <laughs> pumpernickel bread is so underrated. That's why I choose rye. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like to go check out my options on patreon.com slash Katya and Craig. That's where all the relevant tea is spilled, Ooh. as it were. Not to mention certain facts that can be used as receipts upon dragging a person. Exposing. Tearing off their wig. Mm-hmm. Um, going off. Snapping. Snatching. Snatching. Absolutely. Sp- spalding. Oh, Spalding yeah. gray her. <laughs> Drag her, monologue her. Diane Weist yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ellen barking her to death, hunky. Barbara Hershey. Oh, who Hershey? Who was she? Damn. Find out all mm. that and more on patreon.com slash gotcha and Because what, what do we have there? We got the bonus episodes? We got bonus episodes. We got uh, we got extra episodes. We got exclusive episodes. We got firewall pay-through uh, non-standard uh, secret episodes. We got movie clubs. We got anti-movie clubs. Yeah. We got uh, fish and chips. We got haggis. We got uh, deals and uh, deal or no deals. And we got uh, Howie Mandel's OCD uh, pay-per-view comedy hour. That's right. Absolutely. All that and more plus listen to questions. So listen, go there at the patreon.com slash Katya and Craig and enjoy yourself. So listen, why don't we get into the episode now? A Russian ballerina stopping on a bureaucrat. A perky suburban housewife who just got into scats. Give it a beep, bop, 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 bow, bop, bop, It's whimsically it's been a minute since I've held a microphone. We've, you know, we've stopped Queen Kong, so we haven't had a... I know, and, right? Yeah, it was weekly there forever, so now I'm like, ooh, the mic's back in hand, the power. <laughs> the microphone in my hand for like 10 years, and then I'm like <laughs> yeah. a month off. You had to let that go because you wanted to focus on... The show, yeah. Yeah, of course, the show being Dragula, yes. which yes. everyone knows and loves. And, you know, I like to do a little intro. You thought you were safe. Listening to a podcast, possibly on earbuds at the grocery store, or on a Bluetooth speaker while relaxing at home. Or maybe you're driving, in your car, by yourself, on a busy road. You thought you were safe, but you thought wrong, because even though you can't see them or smell them, Swanthula and Drachmorda are about to take control of your mind, spirit, and holds for the duration of this very special Halloween edition of Whimsically Volatile, because it's time to roll out the bloodstained carpet for none other than the infamous, nefarious, and wickedly glamorous Boule Brothers! <laughs> Hello, uglies. Welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you for having us. Oh, thanks for coming. Swan and Drac, it's a delight. It's so hard to turn this music off, but uh, we'll have to let it it ride. Yeah, why not? This is our theme for the whole show now. Yeah. (laughs) Two favorite horror movies of yours each. I'm going to go with my default, which uh, is Halloween. It's a little mainstream, but it's just for me, it's like one of my favorites. And uh, it's interesting because this Halloween 4 in particular, for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah, it resonates with us. And this year, which I can say now, yeah. we have a special episode coming up on Dragula. It's coming out in a couple of days, which is our Halloween episode. Yeah. And uh, we have Daniel Harris, who is the star of Halloween 4, as a guest judge. On oh, fantastic. Episode. Yeah. Really exciting. Must have really been thrilled exciting. about that. Now, what is it about Halloween 4 in particular? I'm not sure what it is. I think it was the first time I saw like... Uh, a kid like a vulnerable child in that kind of situation sure, yeah. but then at the end 
she sort of becomes the killer, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know what yeah. it must have been just like the time of my life when I watched it, you know? I'll go with one of my old classic favorite ones because it really kind of struck me when I was young, yeah. which was um, The Dream Warriors. It was Nightmare on Elm Street 3. You know, it's so funny because uh, the score by Angela Badalamente was almost the background for that intro. Oh, really? How perfect. Yeah, yeah. But then <laughs> Maniac Cop, though, just kind of crawled over oh, and, no, so uh, into took it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know that a lot of people and even like people that are close to us and run in our circles, they don't like to mix their horror and their comedy. Sure. But I like that. I like that 80s sensibility, like the high camp. And I like to laugh um, as well as be scared and kind of be on the edge of my seat because it, it exhausts me in, in a good way. <laughs> but I can't have that level like the whole film. Like I like to laugh at it and have fun. Yeah, it's a little stressful just to have the nonstop. Yeah. Right. You need a bit of uh, bre- a levity in there. Yeah, yeah. Not brevity. That would be a very short film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number three is one of my favorites as well. I yeah. love The New Nightmare. I'm trying to remember the one that has the, and it's come up on the show a lot, the one that has the Fat Boy song in it. I think that's like five or six. Oh my God, I it's, don't know. It's, I think not, I... it's not the peak, Freddy, for sure. <laughs> I yeah. probably uh, chose to just omit that from my memory. <laughs> Maybe that's why I can't remember it, even though we've talked about it on the show before. But obviously, you have a fondness or penchant, as Halloween might say, for a horror and comedy, and, yes. which is very clear in the show. You yeah. know, there's a um, there's mischievousness to it, even when you know the extermination is you're going to be eating blood. Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, it's it's the fun of reality TV. You know, we're we're huge <laughs> fans of reality TV, but sort of very real reality TV. You know, so sure. It's sort of like. I don't like to see things that are overly overly produced. Mm -hmm. So we kind of are fans of some really raw reality. And we try to bring that to our show. So we don't kind of plan out storylines ahead and try to pit people. What what are we going to do about this or that? We really want to see how they react in this environment. And so I think that's why why you see that kind of heart come across on screen. Because they literally don't know what's happening until it's happening. Yeah, and you do see a lot of heart. Sometimes they're served right there for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. The metaphorical heart, the literal heart. It's wonderful. You, You deliver everything. It's really nice to see the arc of everyone through the show because it is very real, you know, and that's the sign of a truly real show. I have friends on Vanderpump Rules, and so you see like how the sausage is made, and they're very real as well, but some other shows you can watch them, especially after you produce it, I imagine, and yeah. you're like, great, how many producers came up with this? Yeah. yeah. It's strange. Uh, having done the show for a few years now, it's given us uh, this kind of proverbial pair of like x-ray specs. Like I can't watch a movie that, or you know, if there's any chink in the armor of a, sh- of a television totally. show or a movie yeah. you're like mm, i can see how this was staged written lit like how they wanted this right. to be you know not that it just it gives you that ability once you're behind the camera kind of creating all that stuff well yeah. it's basically you've learned a new language or not new but i mean like you've learned yeah. this language and so you hear it when you're watching you know what i mean like yeah. i'm mixing no, metaphors a but, good metaphor yeah uh <laughs> thank you it's mixed but good uh but and also mixed like as you said in another uh clip i watched you like your parties to be mixed not one thing not one style Yes. Yes, that, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's sort of what uh, the TV show has grown out of, is that energy. So right. it was, you know, people always say, oh, well, we're so excited that you included uh, drag kings and bio, you know, everything. And I'm like, it's weird for us because that's what we've always done. Yeah, sure. And it's sort of what we wanted to do with the show from day one. Season one, we tried to put drag kings and everything on there. Yeah. But it was new and people were used to drag race. And so they sure. thought... 
when you would call out for auditions, you didn't get this huge variety of people mm-hmm. applying because they just assumed that they couldn't get on. Right. It was very frustrating for us. Yeah, we actually tried to inspire people in the second season as well. But, you know, everything happens as it should. And I sure. think this season strikes kind of like the perfect chord and every, everyone's kind of primed and ready um, to accept different mar- uh, different barriers, you know, and that yeah. they set up for themselves or that someone sets up for them. Like we've been trying to groom them a little bit to be like, mm, it's kind of open for everybody. Yeah. It's kind of groundbreaking, really, because you don't see that on... I mean, Drag Race is wonderful. I'm sure you're fans of it as well. Yes. But it um, is still struggling with certain issues. We've danced around the Drag Race question many times or just kind of directly kind of tackled it. Um, And obviously, there's like a comparison or a a connection in the conversation, at least. But we've always maintained that um, they have done some groundbreaking stuff by just existing and pushing as hard as they have for as long as they have into the mainstream world. But in the in that time and taking those steps, they've also established some boundaries like, uh, you know, certain people are allowed in this market or allowed in this arena. And from our world, whether it be like where we met each other in New York or when we came here to L.A. and we started partying, you know, the mixing of like the genders and the sexual orientations and, you know, the need to even define all that stuff, I find personally annoying and just kind of almost depressing and sad. Sure. Like we don't need to have that many separating factors to keep us away from each other. Um, you know, we started moving in the direction of like, well, this is what we're going to do with our parties and this is mm-hmm. what we're going to do with our show. Uh, so when people saw us kind of doing, just doing us, what yeah. we've always kind of done, they're like, oh, they assume that there was this inherent backlash or kind of flipping up our finger at what they've done but we've always respected what drag race has created. of course yeah um but right, we, no, sometimes people like to read an intention that's not there yes. into something really you're just doing what you've been doing and we're just the type of bitches to do it i think but that's not our motivator at all also where we come from just to give you a little bit of history yeah. you know our drag we didn't start doing drag in a traditional way that a lot of people do which is like i'm gonna go work at the clubs and get a gig and lip sync and do these kind of you know classic drag situations yeah we created our own space and we come from more of a rocky horror kind of like that is what our parties have always been like so that's why our stage performances and the people that we work with it's always been kind of genderless in a way and so you know dragula used to be a club that we did and the first night i remember uh you know the final three and everybody competed it was open to everything there was like drag kings and just everything in between and the final people on stage was you know you have your classic drag character sure we had uh a trans performer and also an afab queen that were all competing for the at the finale and i just i saw a picture of that recently and it just kind of reminded me and it's like that has been our intent from sort of the beginning, you know? Now, that's not to say that we're going to consistently forever cast that because it has to be the right people that, you know what I mean? It has to be the right people that fit we're not just going to put you on the show because you're the only drag king that auditioned. Right. You can definitely tell that it's not simply uh, filling quotas and trying to get a certain look. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is another th- thing I love about the show, especially when you start to see the people open up. You see, you know, the insecurities, you see the traumas, you see what people have overcome. And you also see the sometimes very hard, icy shell that people who have gone through trauma, you know, adopt in order to protect themselves because you feel one kind of way about someone at the beginning of the season. And as you go along, you start to see different shades. To go back, you mentioned history, and I think your history is so rich and fascinating that I'd like to go back to the beginning of where you two met, and which I believe is in New York. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, what was the scene? What was the circumstances? The year was no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could put more theme music. On. We oh, that'd be so good. Don't, <laughs> don't get me going. I'll weave a tale. 
we met through a mutual friend um, at a place called La Nouvelle Justine, which is no longer there. It was on 23rd Street. It was like a fetish themed restaurant. Mm-hmm. They they existed in that location for, I think, a short while, then moved downtown and was like adjacent to like Lucky Chang's, which is like another kind of drag staple at the time. Sure. Now, but, just to, uh, out of curiosity, a fetish themed restaurant. Now, what was the menu like? It was kind of French, right? Yeah, it was a French restaurant and you could have, I know very well because I actually worked there and that's that's how we met, which I don't oh, think, okay. I don't think we just, we don't ever know. really disclosed that. Ooh, so, I love ooh, this. Yeah, new information, yeah, exactly. cutting edge. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. Yes, I was employed there and uh, a friend of ours who was a photographer uh, brought Drac in as his yeah. guest and we, you know, we, we, we met through him and we kind of like never stopped. We, we've had like a, a conversation that's been ongoing pretty much since that day yeah which is beautiful yeah yeah and how long from the initial meeting was it that you started to create your own space we sort of spent a lot of time in New- we used to do different things so we used to work in publishing so we sort of got used to working together then so i would write things he would illustrate them so we sort of started working together back then when we moved to LA, which was I believe probably three or four years after we met, is why we when we eventually yes. landed in LA, we decided we were doing publishing then too. And what we decided we're like, let's throw a party because we had this idea. I was like, I really want to do something kind of like 1920s cabaret, but like an electro clash version of yeah, that. Do you sure. remember electro clash? Absolutely, oh, God, so yeah. fun. Hungry wives, uh, uh, sister sisters. Yeah, uh, Fisher Spooner really as well. Yeah, the yeah. early two thousands. It was like it was it was irreverent and kind of campy and ridiculous and amazing. And the beats were just so sick. Like it was really fun. And it allowed artists to make music that really could never get on a label. Sure, but it yeah. was really fun and raw. You know, kind of reminds me of our show a little bit. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> but you know, so that that was sort of our first club that we created together and it was really born from the ashes of like our move to los angeles and us feeling like damn there's nothing here that really speaks to us these were like the dying days of like makeup and cherry which we actually went to and loved and supported sure um like every week we were there all the time we were you know really into partying then but other than that it was like the scenes of the city where everything was so segregated and and then Mm -hmm. and we thought we felt that the gay scene was very whitewashed and annoying Mm -hmm. um so we just created our own space and that's really where you know shows were born out of that and a variety of drag incarnations and gender hackery and just you know all all the experimental stuff that we were doing at the time was born out of that that party what were some of the names of the nights that you were doing? So Miss Kitty's Parlor was our main staple for a long time. And the that legendary ran, Miss yes, Kitty's yes. Parlor. That ran for nine years. We did that for nine years every Friday night. We did uh, Miss Kitty's Parlor. There was Black Unicorn. We had a club uh, club Deluxe. Fucker, Deluxe. <laughs> yeah. Lots of them. But Miss Kitty's was the probably really defining one for us. Yeah. They all didn't work. That's for sure. Like <laughs> What happens? I, I think it's kind of a pattern for us. Like, the first time we get up, you know, we're, we're up at bat, we hit the home run. I got gotcha, That sure. doesn't mean we hit a home run every time and everything that we do is like, you know, success. But that's a really good thing for people to hear, though. You know what I mean? Because someone can just see the show, have a sort of uh, cursory knowledge, you know, especially if they don't live in L.A. and be like, oh, man, these guys kill it at this. Could I ever have something? But that's a key thing. Like a lot of stuff with nightlife is very hit or miss. And yeah. it's nothing to do with your intention or ability. Yeah. I mean, I think then it was a little bit of like the perfect storm, our inspiration, the time, the city really needed something and we were coming in with a fresh idea and it really worked. Plus we were so spirited about it. Like we knew exactly what we wanted. Mm -hmm. The vision was there. So we just made it. And it was almost like the power of our will, like forced it upon the community. And like, it was undeniable. When you create the thing that you want to go to, 
Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a really critical thing. You know, people say that about music and with sure. nightlife as well. Uh, and when you said that there weren't all successes, what, what did you mean? Like you would have like a great launch night of one thing and then sometimes it'd be well, Miss Kitty, Yeah, Miss Kitty's was, was a success right from the start. I think our first night was super packed and we looked at each other. We're like, holy shit, there are so many people here. <laughs> For your like, first nightclub. Almost like, uh-oh, fuck, wait. <laughs> it was a little bit of that. It was a little, uh-oh, fuck, right? And we then, took to it pretty quickly. And then shortly after we moved it to a much larger venue, we saw that this is like, this is on fire. So yeah. we, we needed more space. Like we're burning down the walls here. Let's move. Totally. And we did. And we found our new home for eight and a half more years. Well, yeah, I think it's like offshoot nights, like other rando things, you know, that those, sometimes you get pressured to do those things when you have something that's successful, especially in nightlife. Exactly. They want more, you know, like uh, yeah. club owners want you to produce more, obviously, because they right. make more money off yeah. of it. And so they sort of, let's do this and we'll give you this and that. And you're kind of, all right, let's come up with a new concept. But yeah. unless you're really feeling it, in our case, it's not going to work. You know, we yeah. have to really believe in it and then we can make anything work. Which is the same thing that's that's happened with Dragula. Because at, even at the time with of the parties incarnation, it was like, oh, we're doing this just for us. This is going to be amazing. I don't care who comes to it. And it just took, you know, it took off. Yeah. Same thing with the show, though, which we, I mean, Drac says it because she really knew back then too when we first thought of the concept is like this is going to be bigger this is going to go yeah this is going to go into like the tv space Mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing i think is when you know something is gonna happen but everybody else doesn't (laughs) and you're acting like they already know you know and (laughs) then it's frustrating you're like what are you talking about this show is major (laughs) you know don't you know that already yeah Yeah. they're like what yeah exactly i'm like oh right (laughs) Right, oh right they haven't seen it yet oh (laughs) well you know especially you're working on stuff down the road and you know what's happening of course you're months and months ahead you know and plus when you're passionate about something too you know it kind of dominates your uh, mind mm-hmm. a, a little and so it's hard to factor in that sometimes yes, for sure i like that uh, you pointed out though that thing of where people are offering you things because once you have success sometimes it can be a little confusing because you are being thrown these offers and it's like well why would i say no to this but like you said often if you're not feeling it it's not going to work mm-hmm. yeah i always think you got to do what like makes you happy right yeah i know it's cliche but i i do believe that as you know we've tried to do things that don't make us happy and they don't work <laughs> or do things for money or other reasons like that if the inspiration isn't there mm-hmm. or you know sometimes the best thing you can do is say no sure you right know? and how long did it take to sort of figure that out uh, this was like this past week i learned that. <laughs> <laughs> see we have uh breaking news and new lessons which i like yeah. honestly no i mean not to be silly but like kind of this year i feel like yeah. this year we really that might sound crazy because we've been throwing parties for upwards of like 20 years but this year we understood the power of no Mm -hmm. and taking things away and and waiting because that gets people antsy too that get sometimes that gets people more excited than the new thing do you find that sometimes um you can get tripped up by fear of expectation i mean it can happen but i have i i do think because there's two of us we can bounce you know we have the luxury of bouncing ideas off each other so we can reassure each other in a way where some of my friends that maybe do things independently they don't have that you know and so it's i think the self-doubt it's a little easier to experience that because now 
you know, if she's like, well, I don't know about this. I'm like, it's fine. Trust me. We got it. And then you can right. kind of depend on each other. So that goes both ways for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We don't experience a lot of that. Honestly, mm-hmm. we kind of just go forward, you know, because I was curious about that because I found one of the most interesting things about your show is you talk about fear. Now, obviously there's the very visceral aspect of fear of jumping out of a plane or fear of bugs or something like that. Yeah. But there's the other layer, which is much more interesting to me, which is you're just getting over fear in general because everyone has to get over fear. And it made me wonder if you two individually, you know, have gotten over fears of things in the past. And is that like a guiding principle? I, I want to speak to this. Yes. Sure. The answer is yes. And, and on a personal level and a business level. So I will try not to go too. You no, know, no, listen, I go long, you go long. Okay. <laughs> so business wise, you know, you're always told to sort of work hard, put your head down, yeah. do your nine to five, do this mm-hmm. and that. And, and you'll, your life will be good. That's just not true. That's a fallacy, especially in today's economy. Certainly, That's yeah. not the reality. And we took a big gamble and just said, we believe in this. We're going to leave all that world behind and throw events. And sure, were we poor and struggled and it was horrible forever? Of course, you know? But honestly, we were happy because we were doing what we wanted to do. And there's some scary things that we experienced. There's risks that we had to take Mm -hmm. that were incredibly scary. And they didn't all pan out. But at, at the end of the day, we could have never gotten where we are now without taking those risks. And it's just about overcoming the fear and the fear that people put in your head. They don't have ill intent, but like, you know, your family, your friends, they, they buy into what you, you know, what, what's being sold to you as well. The sickening part is that they believe that they are imparting on you like this nugget of knowledge that's going to help drive you into a successful future. But what I found is that, that, that the seed that they plant that like, "Mm, no, don't do, don't go off and do the thing that inspires you. Don't do that because it's risky. Like do this thing that's will drain your soul and (laughs) keep your bank account looking healthy, you know, and it it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That doesn't mean we we're not condoning, Hey, just throw caution to the wind and go out and be a fool and take these giant gambles that you, there's no way you can win. It has to be educated. You know, you have to, uh, it's like a promoter. It's (laughs) when you're a promoter, you, you put money forward to put a show on and you, you have to have faith that the people are going to come and buy the tickets and it's a risk, but you know, you don't just say, well, let me make an unrealistic risk that will never work out. You have to book people that have a draw and actually promote and work yeah. to get people to come. That's not to say, Hey, quit your job and go out and, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> you do you be yeah. a lounge yeah, singer. Right. Cause that's not going to work. <laughs> not going to work. Right. No, that's the key to that. It's a delicate balance. You have to have something that you really believe in yeah. and also the knowledge like a business acumen, you know, which, you know, is not the first thing that people think about with uh, party promoters, but you really are terrific business people. You have to be because, and it's very much about going with your instinct. Yeah. I think that leads you to success. You, you have to have your finger on the pulse of the city and the community and give them something that not only inspires you, but what they want. Totally. And also in relation to what else is happening in the city, mm-hmm. you can't serve up the same thing that's happening three other places because then you'll just be competing. And it, it, it there's a lot, there's a lot kind of to it. I, yeah. I don't know. I have to, I have to acknowledge that even still like those, those risks that Jack was talking about. And, you know, I think at various points we inspire each other to continue to take those risks. That's the point though. The risk, you have to get used to it. You have to get used to the being committed to the change that you want to make, being committed to new ideas, taking the risks, being uncomfortable and potentially reaping the rewards like over and over. It's not like a, Hey, I'll do this once or twice. And then I get to that place where everything is cool and (laughs) I'll never have to do that again. It's like, you have to get comfortable being in that very uncomfortable space. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I want to speak too on the the personal fear because that's something that we come we we talk about in the show a lot. Yeah, and I think you know, especially with some of the competitors on our show, they're very raw. They're punk rock. They sure. had you know untraditional upbringings, especially mm-hmm. with them being kind of freakier people. You know, society definitely shunned them. Some of their yeah. family shunned them, and I feel like it caused them to bottle up and create shells around them, which are things that uh, the two of us have experienced too in our mm-hmm. life. So we sort of in our career had to step outside of that and face those fears so many times, you know, right. and sort of like realize our own power yeah. and kind of reclaim that. And that's what we're really trying to, of course, it's fun to watch drag Queens do crazy shit on TV. So <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's motivator. Number one, yeah. <laughs> but motivator number two is it's to push them, you know, mm-hmm. don't take yourself so seriously, for example, or take this risk. It's not, you know, the, the scariness is temporary. And once you overcome it, you empower yourself so much, you know? Yeah. And I think it's sort of like, that's what the fear that we put them through. That's what it's about. We're trying to get them to, and and it's such a short period of time too. Or like if you left uh, a performer, you know, for a year on their own, how much are they going to challenge themselves? Probably not a lot typically, Mm -hmm. but you come on our show and you're going to challenge yourself on the daily. (laughs) And a lot of them leave and say, I am a different performer now by the time the show airs mm. you it's know? kind of amazing to see that it's a buy it's a buy, maybe an unexpected byproduct mm-hmm. of the show um like even now we had a, a lunch meeting with our assistant yesterday and just to know like one of the contestants on this current season yeah is literally in the cocoon right now uh-huh. undergoing the process of transformation oh okay and you can see exactly what the show has ignited and there's going to be a shedding of so many old things because the transformation is both physical and mental yeah. and it's happening like right now and so how rewarding is that for you too it's pretty rewarding it is because it's nice to be able to help them do that you know sure especially the image of us is like we're these mean overlords that's tormenting them (laughs) and that's certainly there but there is a a, you know behind the scenes we really care about them and we really do want to help them we're fans of everyone that we cast right and we see them and we're like wow could you imagine if they had this platform or if they did this or if they just changed this way or that you know Mm -hmm. and we sort of try to inspire that in them because we're proud of them we want to see them elevate their on some level too like i feel like we would have loved I, at least I'll, I'll speak for myself. I would have loved a character to come into my life when I was in my early 20s and say, I recognize what you're doing. I love it. Here's a way t- for more people to see it. Yeah. But just think about this. All these strings that you have attached, here's some scissors, cut them. Sure. And just just to say that to me, because not everybody needs that. I don't know that Drac really needs that. Uh-huh. You are a different type of personality, and I think that you're you're much... Well, more well built and well defined. Yeah, I would have told that person to fuck you off. You would have. I know. No, I know you would have. But at that period in my life, I would have really appreciated that. So I yeah. kind of, I do take pride, and I'm happy, and I'm, I'm, I'm also sad at the same time that that's happening for someone else. It's, it's kind of a mixed bag of emotions for me. But I think the ultimate gift, right, is to feel like you can help facilitate someone's growth or exposure to themselves of themselves well it's like when you see potential in someone it's exciting to try to to help them you know it is the halloween season and we do love to explore the dark side and the motivation behind some of the wicked people in pop culture the new podcast villains from the podcast network highlights the psychological political and emotional factors that spawn both real and fictional villains evil masterminds madmen and savages for every hero there is a villain And every Friday, Villains focuses on a different villain. 
For the fictional entries, the show delves into the social influences that led to the characters' development and creation. And for the real-life villains, well, you'll learn the true story of their dark deeds and hear what drove them to evil. Villains features episodes and a variety of bad guys, from the Joker to Charles Manson to Darth Vader and Pablo Escobar. So tap into this party by going to follow Villains for free on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Or, of course, you can always visit parcast.com slash villains and listen now. Here's the deal. When we started out in entertainment, we worked behind the scenes. So we did all the planning. We did all the work. We did all the hard work. You know, sure. we did the lighting. We did the setup. We would literally go into clubs and build these environments. We did construction yeah. and everything you could think of. And we created a host for our night and we built up this Miss Kitty character and we designed her costumes and told her what to say. And we I mean, had the maid and just everything. And we worked 80 hours a week ever, for this one night. It was like a theatrical experience. It was a nightclub, but it yeah. was theater. So uh, we spent all our time doing that. At some point, and this was six years into it, once it was very established, our host had to quit the night, which her her father was going through some stuff and she had to leave the, the city. So we were sort of left like, Oh my God, you know, what are we going to do? And we've always been, you know, theatrical differently in our own right. You know, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I would sing and he did theater and stuff. And those things sort of got pushed to the wayside because we found other creative outlets. Sure. So we started building these fantasy environments and, and we acted in the shows and stuff too, but not as ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we did all these stage shows at our nights, but we would change costumes and characters constantly. So it wasn't like, I'm the Boulay brothers. It was just like we were just rando actors and uh, you were part of the machinery. If you were like a you troop, created a yeah. troop. Yeah. Sure, so we exactly. changed hats literally three times a night. So I might go from I'm a construction worker. I'm a prostitute. I'm a schoolboy. I'm a school girl. Like <laughs> right. it kind of didn't matter. And that you could be sort of fearless for some reason because you were sort of for the greater good. It wasn't about yourself, you know, sure. presenting yourself. So when oh God, those days were so fun. I know it was <laughs> so fun. <laughs> so when she disappeared, we sort of were left in a weird position because we didn't have our masthead. We didn't have our character. It was like drag race without RuPaul, you know? And so, and the crowd wasn't, and it is something that was a whole community. People came every Friday night. It was a huge thing. Mm -hmm. So we had to develop characters for ourselves and step out and host the night ourselves because we tried guest hosts and God love them. They did the best they could, but the crowd was just like, no, they were like, this is where's Miss Kitty. Like, fuck these people. Yeah. It was like, they were thinking that they're going to, yeah, yeah, they weren't having it. So then we were like, well, they won't say that if we step out and do it because it's our fucking event, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. So we developed our own characters and we came out and that was the thing about fear. At that time we had been working behind the scenes so much. I was fucking terrified <laughs> to talk on oh a microphone gosh. sure i can imagine how, how many words do you think you said during i mean very few like for the first couple of good whiles it was yeah. like i would say everything and even for me i was like okay we have to jump in swim or die you know yeah, so right right we're hosting and i'm hosting and it, the drag has it hadn't developed to what it ultimately become what would it look like kind of around the origin time way more of the character? Very kind of french like yeah. gender hat kind of like okay. big powder wigs and but, but a lot mustaches. of makeup Okay. It was a little sure. Madonna Vogue video look yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That a lot was of the that. vibe. But yeah. you would you would barely speak at the time. Yeah, so time. I was terrified. And and I I, you know, when I was younger, I would and perform. Now, look, and now we can't shut around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> See, overcome your fears. This is what we're talking but about. But this is exactly yeah, this actually right. is what I'm talking about. So I was like, you know, in my heart. I'm a performer. I like to perform. I like to sing and do all these things, but I had sort of built up these walls and yeah. I didn't realize it until I had to step out there and I was like, 
oh my God, I'm like, this is what I love and I can't do it. And why is that? So I had to really examine what stopped me from doing that in my head and right. unlearn those things and sort of face my own fear. And now, you know, you can see where we are now in our life and we perform and host and do all kinds of crazy things. And we have for years. But when I see that in someone else, I'm like, I'm not going to fucking let you do that. Yeah. You know, right, and that's right. what it's about with some of these competitors. Sure. And I think the queer family in general. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being visible can be really scary. It's kind of vulnerable. But it, I know it also, like this show, inspires people and kind of gives them like a light to follow. I think Dragula also gives people like a light to follow. Many things serve that function. But just kind of like having the balls to do you unapologetically and not really look for people to, to give you that affirmation that yeah. I think a lot of people need is is punk it's scary you know mm -hmm. it, it is it's that funny thing too where you think oh i can't do that and it's you've internalized things from your youth or bullies or whatever it is and weirdly it just becomes what you think is the norm like you mentioned earlier the nine to five norm that whole uh premise right you buy into these things and then once you unlock that and pull it away not only do you feel more free you realize that wait no no this is the way. Yeah. And, yes. and we're actually taping this on National Coming Out Day. And my friend Rod Thomas uh, of Bright Light, Bright Light, I'd like to play this little Instagram video sure, that, he sure. that he posted because I think it's very touching. Hello. It's National Coming Out Day. And uh, I am about to open for Share tonight at the SAP Arena in Mannheim, which is probably the gayest thing I could possibly do on this day. Um, I wanted to make a quick note just to say that coming out uh, is obviously not easy for everybody. I really didn't have a good time coming out. So it's important to remember, especially in these weird political times, that uh, it's a difficult journey for a lot of people. But you really have to uh, be strong and be true to who you are. Really, like all of these things you can do in your life only come if you let people see who you actually are. And that doesn't mean you have to pretend to be more confident than you are. It just means like finding peace within yourself and letting people see who you are so you can connect with the right people along the way. Um, be strong, be yourself, and uh, your community will find you and accept you and you'll have a fantastic time. You might even do something as insane as this one day. Brilliant. Right? Isn't that lovely? Yeah, well said. Yeah. And it's very in line with what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. So around the time that you became the performer, and you'd mentioned earlier about um, the strings that you cut, the same kind of thing? Or is it uh, the strings, would you say, with something else? Um, I think it's about being confident within yourself and, and not needing... Uh, those around you to affirm like yes you're doing well or i approve of this you know yeah. or you know your support system is yeah. there for you pushing you kind of in the direction you should or shouldn't go in sure and i think a lot of that programming happens when you're young it could be your family it could be bullies it could be a sibling or whoever tells you you, you should do this you shouldn't do that what are you doing with that and like guilt comes in and i think mm -hmm. god when i see that happen to a child it it just Ugh, I just, it, it's like a knife in my, in my chest, yeah. you know, I think because it activates your memory, your, yeah. your sense memory, if you will, of that. Yeah. yeah. What were each of your childhoods like? Now you answer for each other. <laughs> oh, really? No, I'm no. just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I would be the, yeah. <laughs> so we'll start with you. Um, I think my childhood was a mixed bag. Um, I had like, uh, I don't think it was all, like I said, all good or all bad. I had sure. a support system, but it was limited mm -hmm. and it was full of confusion um because of religious influences sure um and i'd say my dad wasn't the, the most educated person mm -hmm. he's an immigrant so i'm first generation here from where uh from greece 
there's a very heavy influence there from like an orthodox background, yeah. which is like just riddled with both superstition and guilt. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so thus my obsession with like dark sided things and like, um, you know, I think religious imagery is really powerful, especially to a child. And yeah. it, it can be fantastic and magic, but it's going to also be kind of horrifying. Sure. But I was also encouraged too with my creativity. So because mm. I was I've always been like really creative, whether it be like making things or painting dance, like. I was like the oldest kid in my neighborhood. I made everybody like dress up in costumes. We're doing shows. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to lead you through the woods and you're going to be the hunter and I'm going to be this monster. And like, right. I was doing shit like that, like all the time. I feel like <laughs> our clubs are basically that. So you're basically <laughs> so doing the same I thing. I mean, seriously, ah. yes. And like, now yeah. the show is the elevator. Right. My brother. And you're going back to the woods with the show. You can't do that at the club so easily. Right. So <laughs> yeah, Bingo. I don't think you know, things just transform and you can do the same type of things I was doing when I was nine. Now I'm doing them on like TV. <laughs> with sclera lenses yeah yeah exactly. and then what about you you know i grew up in the south so my family it's very like mountain people like appalachia kind of you know that sure. kind of vibe yeah and not to say you know my parents a little less so but you know their parents and the family around us and the surrounding town too that can be a i mean the, vibe. Yeah, yeah it was very rural very unlike what people probably would expect that i would grow up in so it was you know it was, it could be hard. You know what yeah. I mean? Of course, there was no gay people in my town at all, at yeah. all. And uh, same, by the yeah, way. Yeah, there was uh -huh. no gay people around. The idea of a drag queen or anything like that was basically turned, you know, paraded about as some sort of example of a pervert or something. Sure, sure. You know, something terrible that you wouldn't want to be associated with, you yeah. know? But I was always very independent. I really didn't give a shit, yeah. you know? I mean, you know, internally, I don't know, but on the outside, it never deterred me from being me. You know, mm -hmm. when I was young, I had like this huge basement in my house that was just like, it was looked like, you know, Elvira's house or something. It was just like <laughs> filled with all this crazy occult stuff and comic books. And sure. I, I wrote and, you know, I would always write and draw. I mean, I spent years of my life just writing and drawing by myself. That's yeah. what I did. And so, you know, it's it's weird. We we recently came across something I found. I had some stuff packed away and we moved. And I found this uh, this banner that I made. And it was when I was, you know, young in school. Kind of like a vision board. Yeah, it was like, oh, okay. yeah and you had yeah. to put things that you liked or whatever, you know, and you had yeah. to cut out things and glue them. And it was really bizarre because it looked like Dragula. It, it, no, literally, it was like a 25-year <laughs> prophecy. <laughs> so yeah. child, you know, Isn't yeah. it amazing, though? Like, if you do look back, you'll see that things that you were interested in as a kid either manifest now or if there's like your tastes are kind of your tastes. Yeah, you it's know? true. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think the trick going back to like being visible and like it's tied with coming out and it's tied with not needing affirmation and following that inner voice is like when you become an adult, I think the happiest adults listen to that child That's like right. inspiration and continue to carry that whatever, however it manifests as an adult. And I think the most unhappy people don't and are listening to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And they crush that part of themselves down. And that also leads to 
terrible resentment from people who do crush that down yeah. towards the people who, oh, yeah. uh, who don't know. exactly because yeah. they, w- they yeah. wish they could have it themselves and it, i think it leads to like abuse and aggression and all kinds of stuff like that yeah absolutely if, if more people were able to follow their guiding light inside they'd be a lot nicer to deal with yeah. it's, it's unex- an unexpected outcome of us doing the show is we get tons of messages from people that you know are inspired to live their authentic self sure. off of the show and initially i didn't understand it. initially okay. when we started getting i was like the fuck are they talking about i was <laughs> no, like uh, no, why because i threw meep off a cliff like okay sure you know i didn't <laughs> I didn't Is this get for it. our show? They're watching our <laughs> I show. Like, yes. Wait a minute. But <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. Now, you know, I get it as time goes by. Sure. And I, I meet them and I say, oh, yeah, because I forget what it was like to live and exist in those environments and how Isolated. you have nothing to inspire you yeah. or look to to for strength, you know? Or even relate to, like, oh, I see myself in this person or I, I see a part of myself in that group of people. I'm sure. Like, being- yeah, because it's discouraging. You know, I think about when I was growing up and there, there was nothing like that. And I mean, as far as encouragement towards me when I was young, there was negative a thousand. I mean, uh-huh. it would just be sure. like, you're terrible. You're the creature in our base, basically. <laughs> you know, yeah. we hope you don't die, but that's about it's it. Sad. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was. Right. And so, but you know, I used to, I remember I used to like get in my car and drive like two and a half hours away to rent John Waters movies because oh, you had totally. to go to the secret place to get them because it was like, you know, a porn movie, basically. <laughs> right. It wasn't. It's basically in the back room yeah. to get those. Yeah. So it was like, you know, that's what it was like. So now I, I, I can see in retrospect, I'm like, okay, these people are seeing that we're living our, I'm just so used to it at this point. I don't, yeah. you know, I didn't see it at first, but, but it is. It's also still fun to throw a meatball off of <laughs> club, yeah. That's the great thing, right? There's fun and there's a spiritual fulfillment. Exactly. Do you remember what the first things were that you saw that were pieces of culture that you did feel represented in or you saw them and went, that's, I want that. You know, you kind of have a vague idea when you're a kid. I think that, I mean, Rocky Horror sure. was a monumental moment. And I, even that sexual scene where Frankenfurter is in like that veiled bed and like, they, you know, Brad and Janet both come in. Yeah. I was like, I was like, stop everything. <laughs> Just stop everything right there. <laughs> yeah. Is there an informational pamphlet on that? Can because, I have a... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, let's re- research that scene. No, because uh, I also grew up in a small town where how many out people were there? Zero. Yeah. You know? And um, I was involved with like a summer theater where I was a teenager and I was um, involved with like the, the summer stock theaters at this dinner theater. Yeah. And there were gay men there for the first time I saw, you know, gay men in my sure. life. And I probably was like in the theater. Are you sure? I'm not. I, I uh, promise I, you. I know it's so weird. <laughs> I know. But um, I, I was so excited because I was cast in that show and my dad would refuse to come. Really? Yeah. He just wouldn't show up. And why? Because there's gay. There's gay guys in that show, yeah, you know. No. So it's just like this kind of constant conflict you know inside where you're encouraged to to follow your creativity but then there's like this inherent guilt and like intrinsic to the whole experience so you're doing something that really lights your inner fire but then you're kind of feeling guilty and like there's something bad about you or what you're doing you know it's pretty kind of twisted it is twisted and it takes a long time to work that out yeah because it just becomes like the weather you're just sort of used to this being the oppressive vibe yeah that's going on you know what was weird too i i I feel like horror movies i loved horror movies as a young kid and that idea that you know, cross-dressing or being gay 
you're like a monster is so it comes across in so many horror movies you know if it you does look back yeah, yeah it does you know, like psycho or and you know and then you find out oh this is the cross-dressing murderer and you're like you know and you don't think about it, but you're like oh i'm i'm that free that is me okay so they're they treat me like this because i am that you know what i mean yeah okay. it was yeah, very yeah. it's yeah. a weird thing to we were talking about this the other day and how that comes up so much in queer uh horror you know yeah in horror in general yeah horror yeah. in general no, it really horror. does yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of crazy you know, there's a fascinating movie called Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Are you familiar with that I don't that know one? that, no. I think you'd really like it. Sort of an anti-homophobia uh, through line in it. Jimmy McNichol stars in it. I think Bo Svensson is the sheriff. But anyway, I'll rustle up a copy and send hmm, it over. Yeah, yeah I think Please do, yeah. I want to see that Nightmare on Elm Street documentary about we saw that yeah. uh, scream queen I think yeah. Scream it's queen, yeah, yeah. We, we went to the screening um where was that it was at the not the egyptian it's a, the yeah it was part of the outfest yeah, yeah. oh okay so right, we got right. to meet uh was it mark Patton and yeah. um robert england was there and, and we're kind of friends of a friends with the guys who produced that really exciting and honestly i think i kind of like didn't really get it when i was too young to understand yeah. and I, I i wasn't too young to understand how fierce taryn was when freddie like you know shot her up with like 10 needles of heroin in her arm in that factory so i was like yes this bitch is fierce i love this scene but i didn't really get the homophobic overtones from yeah. from nightmare on elm street too and now i've re i've since rewatched it since we went and watched scream queen and i'm like oh this is like she gay she very gay i have to rewatch that one that's one of the ones that i haven't seen i think because as a kid i didn't care for it right yeah you exactly yeah. i think it probably just wasn't on our, on any of our radars at the time right but there is kind of a cool moment where literally Literally, you know, Mark Patton's character is kind of like he's he's being tortured through the whole film. And I mean, there is like tons of like male ass, you know, guys, the naked coach who's actually uh -huh. a gay guy who goes to like the leather bar and he's like they're wrestling in the field fighting each other and their pants come down as like oh jock God. straps I on. No, yeah, it's, it's completely no yeah, yeah. it refreshed my memory when we watched it. I was like, It's so okay. queer, but there's a moment where Freddie, where Mark he's like, um, where the main character, I, I forget the character name, but Mark character's Patton is like writhing on the ground in pain and Freddie literally comes out from inside of him, rips open his stomach and you see the claws come through where the monster is coming out. Oh my out. God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wild. I'm yeah. going to have to rewatch that. Yeah. So that theme is like, you know, prevalent in a lot of horror. It's mm -hmm. interesting. What about other movies? Back to the original kind of the, the root question here. Movies where you recognized yourself or... Saw that thing, you know, that well, sort of Rocky fake Horror, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky Horror definitely was because I remember I was like, okay, this is like kind of vampiric. Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like I was like Frankenfurter as a kid. Like, literally. I'm like, this is my life. Okay, thanks. I'm just not from space. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now... Because I we, think there's all these like straight, normal people around me that I hung out with. And of course, we, you know... <laughs> things <laughs> <laughs> that they wouldn't tell anybody else sure right. <laughs> but no i'm watching like there's this vampire castle and i'm like uh are the controllers on that weird mad scientist thing dildos i'm like i'm pretty sure i'm like wait a minute this is different. hang on here yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, and then john waters movie absolutely 100 percent were like super influential totally you know? do you remember yeah. the first john waters movie you saw i think i saw God, why can't I think of the name of the where she was the lobster? Oh, uh, multiple maniacs. Yeah, yeah, multiple yeah, maniacs. Yeah, yeah. And that's I amazing love, for a first one. Well, to I think that's what motivated us too to make the show because I was like, oh, you can make a show. You yeah, know what I mean? I was like, you oh, can we literally can make do a whatever show. you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. I was like, he made this show with twenty dollars. <laughs> I got two hundred dollars. We can do this. You know? <laughs> we got like ten times the amount. We're <laughs> good. We're good. Yeah, totally, exactly. Totally. But, you know, because you saw the heart in those movies. Oh, you're yeah. like, 
they believe in this. This is, it takes you on a fantasy ride and yeah. the characters are so amazing. I mean, it's kind of like we talk about electro clash as a, a musical genre. It's very similar. It's very yeah. similar. Yeah. And that's very similar to what we do, you know? It yeah. is. It's very punk because when he started Dragula, it, your budget was what? Well, it was very low, right? Very low. In fact, like that first season, like going back to your initial, uh, uh, one of your initial comments about, um, just being inspired enough and in and facing your fear and doing things that was that was a cliff we jumped off of we just invested in our our own money to create season one which is a scary thing to do it is very scary we yeah, have because we had like you know been doing nightclubs forever yeah and we said you know we could have pitched the show of course we could have said here's the concept let's go to these networks and pitch it it was so fucking weird that it's like nobody we <laughs> no knew one's it. gonna even look like, i mean how do you even describe it <laughs> yeah we would look at each other and say i know this show's gonna get huge but i cannot convince a tv executive that yeah. this is gonna happen right, right there was this moment where i was like look at me because drac was like stressing and you know that's part of her reality and i'm like look at me look at me we don't need to be fearful of this. Like we've been saving, we've been working so hard. We have this amazing idea. What else do you invest in if you can't invest in something that you really believe in? Right. Like what are we saving our money for? Yeah, you sold right. me on that one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're like what? You know, this is what would make us happy. So yeah. So we did it, and after that, we didn't really. We kind of just had this gut. I was like, this is gonna, this is gonna work. Like I right. just know it's gonna work, and yeah. so we just kind of kept going forward. Of course, we kept getting tested because you know the TV industry is horrible and <laughs> the real extermination it, it, see, that's what, i mean i'm not kidding you when we're there on set and we're filming and you know the competitors get scared or whatever and we often joke that those of us on the producer team i'm like this is so much easier than the shit that i'm having. i'm like are you kidding me Would you i'm guys like, like stab me yeah. up bitch like i was like i'll do that any I mean, day of the week it only lasts five minutes i've been in no. like this two-year torture to try to get this goddamn season out i was like i will do every extermination right now live if someone would go and deal with this lawyer like right. give me the give me the big uh jar of bugs and tattoo me whatever the hell you want sure. and yeah. uh, feed me blood you just you, you talk to the guys yeah well that stuff yeah. too is like you know with, with us the clubs that we came on was very punk and crazy and fetishy and i'm like yeah. all those like tattoos and piercings and all that crazy shit i'm like we used to do all that stuff on stage all the time yeah so it's like to us it's nothing and it's weird because some people see like oh my god i can't believe you did this or that to them i'm like well most of them have done it already but whatever that's cool you know yeah 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 it's just a different worlds that you come this different kind of drag experience where we come from than you know, most drag queens come from. You don't usually yeah. get pierced at Hamburger Mary's, but <laughs> not in that I way. Guess, I'm just imagining the poster: get pierced, Hamburger Mary's. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I like also that when it's uh, time for the floor show, you say we don't. Uh, how do you say it again? We're not here to judge your drag. Drag is subjective. Uh, drag, drag is art, and art is yeah. subjective. I'm glad that you messed it up too, because I started to stumble. It's on her it, line. Like, oh, okay. Line. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, I love the ethos of that. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know why? Because it's like when we get people lined the competitors lined up i'm not there as a judge to say i am the best makeup artist i am the best lip syncer i am the best it's not any of that That's she's not-, not there to say that i am <laughs> so you said you each have your roles right yeah, yeah, there exactly. you go so but you know i i want people viewers at home and other uh, aspiring drag artists to know that we're not there saying your drag sucks or it's because be- it's not their drag is so different how do you compare you know, disaster arena to hollow Eve right. or to, to Melissa be fierce. Like it's impossible. They're so different. Sure. Even meatball. It's such an amazing character again, yeah. but you know, it, they all have their different strengths. So we're not sitting there saying we're better than you. And we're telling you how it is. We're just saying we have designed a competition. It's like a, a, a race, you yeah. know, 
which one of you is going to come out on top, you know? And that's, so we want people to understand that that's, we're not judging their drag. We're judging exactly. how they use their drag to adapt to the challenges. That that's we're something out we there. had to learn though, too, because mm-hmm. we assumed that people knew, yeah. Hey, we're creating this inclusive show. This is a show where you can literally, we're showing you the underbelly. Sure. What we see as like the real experience. Like if you were going to go to a club in any city, even worldwide, you'd see some crazy drag shit sure. and you would laugh and you'd be scared and it would be all these things, but maybe not what we see on mainstream drag TV wink wink but you know we assume that everybody was would, would understand that we're coming from a good place and some of the language that we chose in season two mm. people showed us a lesson that we needed to learn where you know this might come across as judgmental or, or as if we're coming from like some kind of superior position and and we do not feel that way at all so we made it a point to put that into the language of season three because that's what we really do believe and we just need we just needed to say it to make sure that everybody heard it so that there weren't annoying people getting triggered every fucking episode <laughs> oh, we can do what we want to do <laughs> Sounds like you have a little bit of experience with uh, some feedback on uh, that sort of thing. I think now we're so good with it, but season two, I think, was so much bigger, and it was our first experience getting exposed on that kind of level to mass audiences and internet trolls. Oh, Oh, yeah. So no, but you know, I, did, I I wanted to answer. I'm like, oh my god, well they think this or that's happening. We have to answer that. And I'm like, if I did that. That's all I would do. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like everybody has an opinion about everything. And right. oh, okay, that's what, and then you have to realize and I, I, the easiest way, the way I was able to absorb it is to say, okay. And we sat and talked and even with the other producers, cause they took it personally too. They're like, damn, we're doing this inclusive show and we're getting shredded. Totally. And I'm like, look, when we all sit down, well, we are guilty pleasures. Like the real housewives. It's like, listen, I'm the biggest real okay. housewives. Oh my God, we we well, so, I mean, but when now Lisa's gone, what the well, fuck? Well, hold on, okay. We'll okay. We'll get, I know we'll, we'll get, so, to that. we'll get back to that. So this is how we, we learned to deal because I said, well, we watch that show and then we sit here in the living room. We're like, oh, this one's a bitch or this one's that. And how funny is that? <laughs> or like, I not- hate. Yeah, but then oh, like, yeah. <laughs> we don't really hate the show. We love right. the show. We love the show. Oh, yeah. But, but we, we, we also enjoy kind of kind of shredding the show a little bit totally. or like why this or why that or she's stupid what a terrible addition to the cast or oh god they got rid of her how could they do that she was my favorite and right. we're basically just doing what other people who are also passionate about and our that's show what we really do. Like, oh they're not this is not our real person they're talking about it's this show it's a great thing to realize that that's what it is yeah that it's a show but you know because it's your show it's, it's hard to parse that out yeah, yeah. And see, Real Housewives is an inspiration. I just want to put that out there. But I, I back that up fully. Especially season one of any of the Housewives before they're self-aware. That's oh, the season one, Camille. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Oh, but she God. came back. She reared her, her ugly this head. I, no, see, I'm a little spotty on the last two seasons. Okay, well... Okay. When you get to the most recent season, yeah. like the story producers let her out of the bag again because <laughs> I'm convinced that they they've been editing the shit out of her for years because uh-huh. season one Camille arguably the best oh my Camille God. yeah yeah Camille yeah. living her best life yeah. <laughs> she has come back she came recently. Back. But then- they didn't bring her back for the new season. It's even. surprising. I couldn't believe it. What? They didn't bring, she came back full force and I was like, okay, she's the most interesting person on the show yeah, now. Yeah, right. Because it's amazing. She's being real yeah. even though she's, you know, whatever. And stirring so, all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. stirring yeah. all kinds of trouble and they didn't bring her back and I couldn't believe it. We thought that because Lisa exited like 50% of the way through the season, sure, yeah. they were bringing out more and more Camille. We were like, oh, I see where this is going because maybe Lisa won't renew and now Camille, they're just going to let her be full force and be she genius. can battle. Exactly. Yeah, right? They bring her back. They put these two new people on that, you know, the viewers don't know yet. And I don't think they're going to be 
mega interesting because usually yeah. the first season people get brought on art other than Dorenda. Dorenda was Dorenda was amazing season. yeah and i you know it's actually funny i have yet to see most of new york my mom is constantly oh. like craig you have to watch you're, you're really york. missing out i know listen i'm gonna dive right into that soon that's the Just next watch scary one. island episode first <laughs> oh my god i've heard about that so many, and people <laughs> that say is the best i've heard that and someone else said start with season three yeah, and which then, one is yeah. that? Which one is three? The first couple of seasons weren't that good, but three is, I think, when they go to Scary Island. I think that might be right yeah. because I remember the person was like, "Okay, like you have too much to catch up on." Yeah. And they know how much I love it. I actually used to do a podcast about Vanderpump Rules. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so you love your reality TV too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, but the Housewives yeah. is such a thing for us. Like in our house, we stand almost all of the franchises. Oh, I too. love that. That's yeah. a lot of hours. Yeah, and it's it, our it's our getaway. You know, no, we're right. like, oh, when there's a new episode on, and it's like twelve thirty at night, and we're just like, oh, let's just sit in front of the couch put on you know because we don't call it like the real housewives of beverly hills like beverly hills is like lisa or like let's it's watch kyle, kyle. totally and then we're, yeah. when we're like if new, it's york new york dorinda. new york has become dorinda okay. for us yeah, yeah. Like, let's watch nini nini yeah. is atlanta yeah. oh, i love that i love it's that like so it's like yeah. it's like my stories you know <laughs> yeah exactly it's that kind of thing <laughs> totally i still think new jersey like the first season of new jersey is like because they were really related so again this were like real reality tv so, yeah. they couldn't fake it you know yeah. they didn't yeah. even know how and no, like they, they didn't have their hair together and all yeah. that stuff right. for tv i love, I love that when they do the flashback too because you're like oh look at all the work she's had like she's like in this full fantasy now but season one you're like oh you're busted yeah and new jersey i remember uh pitching that to my mom i was like listen you have to watch it i was like start with the one where she flips the table at the christening yeah because it's like you you know family drama is on like any drama that's that's the thing and i could just watch that for hours and hours well that i think that was what was good about beverly hills is uh kyle and her sister oh my god related the limo fight's one of the greatest moments House. Oh my god! Did you hear what you just said to me? Did you? You better you take, take that, that back. back. Oh, my husband's treated you like a goddamn second wife. You, you hear what back. you said? You are sick and you are an alcoholic. There, I said it. What? What, what did she? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, the best when they had that extended season four. Oh. The Real Housewives of Transylvania. Right. <laughs> That's great. What other uh, shows do you enjoy? Our newest addiction is the show. I don't know what the first show, though. This is like a double spinoff, but it's like uh, 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Day. Oh. Do you know that one? Now, see, I haven't seen 90 Day Fiance. Okay. I've been told about it. And it's pretty good. Yeah, I'll it's real. S- I stand by it. 90 Day Fiance is when an American brings someone from another country and they have 90 days on their visa to decide, like, I'm going to marry this person. Right, right. But the before the 90 day spinoff is just role reverse. So you have oh, Americans okay. going to other countries and yeah. it's their experience kind of like, God, one of them is so sick too. Like this guy, <laughs> this like nerd guy from like Missouri or something dates this girl who falls for this girl in like Brazil, uh-huh. but she doesn't live in like Sao Paulo or something. She lives like up in this Amazonian river. Like how the hell does she even have a, a fucking signal to communicate with them? <laughs> right, right. So he like takes his trunk to the plane, to the train, to the automobile, like over the river, through the woods, up the Amazon. Like seriously, it's like a three day trek for him to even find her. <laughs> and they live like in her house. It's like a thatched roof like wow. yeah oh, he's getting like shot at by these like gorilla so- <laughs> i mean it, it really like the camera crew was running they were getting shot at. oh my god it's really good reality tv she gets mugged for her cell phone on camera with by this guy with a machete oh my and, god yeah he runs off into the woods and then the local the local authorities come through and start firing into the woods but this is on film this is like a yeah. reality television right. show it's like really crazy that's wild i'm gonna have to check that so out they can only communicate via 
app. Oh yeah, she, she oh, speaks Portuguese. Speaking, oh my god! Yeah. So they type back and forth and read it. <laughs> it's so crazy. They, so he's obsessed. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's, of course, the now a couple of years after the show came out, they find out all this crazy stuff about him, and he's he used to be in prison and all kinds his of his previous uh, like relationship. She has a restraining order against him and like all this kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's great and it's very real. But also, Bad Girls Club in the beginning, we were huge school. fans of that okay. too. Uh-huh. Again, very like raw you know sure people acting crazy like, um totally different tangent yeah. um one of my favorite movies when i was a kid was the dark crystal oh so yeah. the new dark crystal series like uh oh, god i heard it's incredible it's okay. amazing it is gorgeous yeah. it really expands on the mythology and the whole like um history of that that universe that uh that was created it's so good and just a few more movies because i mean i just feel like but there's such a cornucopia of horror references oh in, sure in dragula uh, and, uh, yeah 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 and you know what i mean and that uh, you've synthesized things from all different places so it's not like you look at it and go that's derivative of this you watch it and go oh they know all the stuff about horror movies right. yeah. yeah but we also weave in a lot of like queer references like mommy dearest and death becomes her and these moments where we just kind of get off on the things that we love and it creates this like bizarro tapestry of like horror and queer camp scary vulgarity you sure, know which yeah. is like i think the tone that we love to hit that's the, the show is completely based off of our history that's yeah. the entire show it's just inside joke after inside joke after inside joke yeah you know every if you look back even silly things like uh the D challenge you mm. know that we just did recently we both you know played D when we were kids i had a feeling i had a feeling masters yeah. i was like i had everything i mean <laughs> there was a point in my life where you couldn't fucking touch me I'm like, uh, ex- I'm like excuse me what um no that manticore is consisted of three other characters she has a death breath weapon a d6 attack on her frontal claws i mean really i could like break it down but then even when we uh were doing miss kitties and it was like crazy fetish club you know we did this and we the shows were so silly and uh, wrong and amazing but we we made them because we talked to our friend the other day that acted in one of the shows we had them do a D show where they basically were like nerd kids that did yeah. D and they like summoned the devil accidentally and then they started having <laughs> sex and killing each other yeah. so it's like like consistent. just years later and it's yeah. like re-manifesting that thing we were riffing on at right. the beginning yeah it's another version of the thing that that adage like the thing that you're made to feel less than about when you're younger oh yeah turns out to be the thing that you're celebrated for yeah, yeah. If, if you follow that you know that that sort of guiding light that yeah. we talked about before yeah you I, I almost feel like you have definitely absolutely said that yeah in previous interviews where the thing that you were shamed for is now the thing that you're celebrated for yeah exactly yeah. right yeah i mean a new a new horror movie that i know we both really enjoyed and now we've gotten to kind of bring one of the stars onto this season of the show was hereditary okay yeah uh, um have, have you seen sadly it? I'm, I'm behind I, see, do you see that box set over there that is what's been consuming my life murder, murder she, she wrote, wrote. <laughs> oh my god yes queen what the resurgence of murder she wrote you're like the fifth person that's really? like obsessed with it right yeah now. i uh yeah it's a uh, well christine was on and christine has a full not angela lansbury but jessica <laughs> fletcher she was on murder she wrote i, was like, <laughs> I didn't see that episode <laughs> <laughs> Christine doesn't mention her age, but you know, she was really got around back totally. then. Yeah. <laughs> totally. She's been around the block seven, seven or eight. Times. I want to see that show. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I was talking to Christine about maybe doing a murder. She wrote podcast, like a little side thing where if you ever want to come is on she that, into whatever, it? Is she Oh, into she was it? like, I'm on the second you do it. No, I'm, I mean, I'm is she on. obsessed with like, oh, murder she, wrote? she has a Jessica Fletcher tattoo, not an Angela Lansbury tattoo. It wow. is a Jessica Fletcher tattoo. I was actually with my friends, Cherry and Sophie who have been on the show and a nail salon. 
on the TV was the episode with Sean Cassidy, who I'm a big fan of. And I was like, hey, oh yeah, murder she wrote. And then I was on a plane. I caught two episodes, the one where she, she's like involved in solving a murder in the virtual reality world, which is amazing. Wow. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I got to get into this. The first five seasons are on Amazon Prime. Right around the halfway mark of season four, I was like, I got to buy the box set because I'm going to run out soon. <laughs> God, that's kind of amazing. And it sounds like the universe has been giving you signals over and over like, Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, right. Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, Murder, exactly. She wrote. Exactly. Look over here. Look yeah. over you're here. You're going to solve a crime one day. And all these, <laughs> I think you're you right. Know, yeah, you're yeah. going to learn all these things that you can that's use to solve. <laughs> totally. I'll be like, were there powder burns on his hand because he might have shot the gun? You know, all that <laughs> stuff. Exactly. You just need like a, a nice grandma shawl. You know what I mean? Yeah, so totally. you can feel in character when you're doing it otherwise what's the point but hereditary and a few other modern films i'll say like including the new suspiria which is not new anymore still haven't seen it uh yeah we're very into that sort of slow drone horror right now and it was cool because uh millie shapiro who's a star on hereditary was a judge on our show so super fun to have her really cool she came to our halloween show in boston last year Uh which we're redoing this year which katya will be a part of exactly right I'm from Boston as well. Oh, okay. I yeah. love being there. I'm from Connecticut originally. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, wow. It was nice to be back in the Northeast at that time of year, my favorite time of year. That's when it really works. Feel, Massachusetts, yeah, you know? absolutely. January, no. A few more months no and you're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Halloween time, perfect. And she came to our meet and greet line. And I was like, sister little girl from hereditary she's gonna be i'm like hello darling she's like i'm a really big fan of the show and we're like then the gears just started like click 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 and you know we made it happen there's kind of a magic to the show like that that's also fuels us to take these risks that we talk about is that things seem to happen for the show knock on wood that uh that's that might be particle board i'm not sure we'll find okay (laughs) at some point it was wood derivative you're right you're Uh, right yeah, that that shouldn't happen, and and they they work out, and uh, these paths kind of open, and that's what yeah. makes us know. I'm like, this is right because yeah. this wouldn't happen. You know, the nun, the Bonnie Aarons who played the nun, she contacted us about being on the show as a judge, which was a great sign for us. Like, wow, okay, we must be doing something right. <laughs> totally, yeah. And a lot yeah. of ho- the horror world is coming to us now to get involved because a lot of times, you know, I don't think people that work in horror are necessarily billionaires, but they love their craft. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's exciting because. I'm like, these people are coming to us to work on the show because they love the show and they love horror. And yeah. that makes us very excited because it, we love to work with other artists. We're stuck with business people so much out of the day that we don't want to be, <sighs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really refreshing it really to have people come to you that are creative that want to get involved. Yeah. yeah. Southern California is a great place to be too, because there's so many amazing events like monster Palooza and, um, Midsummer Scream. Oh, okay, yeah. Mid Scream. What the hell am I saying it right? Midsummer Scream. Yes, Midsummer Scream. Um, it's in Long Beach. We just mm-hmm. went this summer, and I think it's only the sec, maybe second year they're doing it. I could be wrong on that, but it's the off season kind of Halloween oh. convention. So we went. We drove down there with a few friends. Mm-hmm. You know, head to toe black. We're ready to roll. It's like ninety five <laughs> degrees out. Like, holy shit, get me in this convention. We're driving down the highway, and I'm like. Oh my God, look at that fucking line. And there oh, was, yeah. I mean, it, it was, was bigger than drag massive. Wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We got in there and I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. It's July, but this place is dark. They had haunts in there. Like, oh, and wow. they were just selling everything spooky, ooky, witchy, poo. Like, we were, we oh, were just okay. so excited. And now they're sponsoring our Halloween ball, which is going to be happening at the end of the month. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm looking forward to that Trixie Mattel, right? Yeah, yes. it's going to be amazing. Fangoria, top three from the show. We're going to be there. The show. It's going to be really awesome. There's also a lot of really uh, innovative 
clubs that are happening right now in Los Angeles that we bring together. Like we usually bring a few each year. Uh-huh. And this year we have some really fun ones. We have Snap Out of It, which is House of Avalon's uh, event that they throw at Mickey's. We have Jolene, which is like a uh, sort of trans stripper night that they do at Cheetah's, mm-hmm. which is really yeah. fun. And there's just a lot of really great people involved. So I think it's going to be a really great For event. sure. Um, God, but why did I bring up the Midsummer Scream? Oh, to, to know, like when we walked in, I was like, these are our people. Oh, yeah. Everybody is tatted from head to toe. It's like jewelry and crystals and just the horror of it all and yeah but it's also a very comfortable space and uplifting really there's a a sort of like happiness oh yeah it's like a childhood energy like really happy you know what's interesting about that is you know the horror and queer worlds are overlapping so much now when when we were younger it was not like that like Mm -hmm. i i uh remember i used to little more behind the scenes history. I used to yeah, work uh, for the Vampirella comic book. I don't know if you oh, know Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I know of it. Yeah, I'm not that yeah, well versed so in comics. Yeah, so I worked though. at Harris Comics and we did Vampirella and we would do horror conventions to, you know, push the the comic. Yeah. And it was kind of homophobic, you know? It was okay, kind of sure. like, the, it wasn't it wasn't the energy we're talking about now because now you can go to Midsummer Scream and it's like, there are queer people and sure. there are drag, you know, horror drag queens and things like that so it's really interesting how much it's changed in that time you know yeah if you think of it now it seems like the horror world and the drag world are so intermixed mm-hmm. or rather the queer world you're welcome yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly helping well yeah so you've certainly done quite a bit because the, the, the thing about it is i believe despite what media pumps into our brains like yes there are a lot of hom- homophobia maybe maybe may even be on the rise and um the separation uh yeah uh, of all the peoples of this country slash world i think is what we get pelted with over and over and over but i actually believe the reality is there's much more tolerance across the board Mm -hmm. i i I believe that there are plenty of people in this in this country that actually don't really think it's a big deal of who you sleep with or how you live your life there are commonalities that bring people together and it happens to be at places like midsummer scream where you can walk into the convention and be like there's little kids and there's queer people and there's drag queens and there's horror guys and bikers and people into makeup and like mega nerds and like we're all there not because of the things that separate us is because things like darkness and horror and being scared or halloween unite us and i get reminded about that in those moments and i love that it makes me feel good and hopeful instead of like nihilistic with this like existential dread that i feel like i get when i look at my fucking phone or like watch the news (laughs) yeah it's a little bit more uplifting than twitter (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i want to ask about the origin of the name because from the first time i saw boulet brothers i was always wondering is that the bowie song sort of repurposed no we didn't even know about that song until this year actually honestly and then it, it gets things get strange like we call it like the dark blessing. That's like so nerdy, but it's seriously, it's like Dragula has like the dark blessing and even the producers and other camera ops that have been with us in the beginning, they're like, Oh, there's that thing again. It's just kind of like sometimes the pathways, it just opens up and things happen. I look at it as like, uh, affirmation from the universe that you're doing the right thing. And oh, sometimes yeah. you can get signals that you're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I learned a long time ago to like to listen to those signals. Yeah. But the David Bowie song was one of them where there was this guy who came to our party, Queen Kong, which we did for years. And he's like, I, I just know it. I, I gotta <laughs> ask you guys. I just know it's the Bowie song. I love it. I listen to the lyrics and I just, I, it's, I know what it is. And, um, and it had nothing to do with the David Bowie uh, song. But I, I, after that, I Googled it and I'm like, you know, some people think of the lyrics as nonsensical. And then I kind of started going in on it and there were weird, odd applications to like what we do (laughs) in the lyrics that I can't recall right now. But I do remember thinking like, 
Now that's kind of fucking uncanny. I mean, <laughs> well, also with the uh, the boule, you know, it mean you were looking up something the other day. As a French like, slang, it's like drag, drag, and then really? it's ball and yes, chain, and it also means ball and chain oh, in wow. France, but like really... in French. But I, we can say that it was for none of those reasons that we chose that name. Now, do you want to say what it is, or would you no, like to leave that That's a revelation we will not be sharing. But okay. what we can't say <laughs> is, you know, fair enough. The, part of the origins of it is when we started came out and started hosting our own nights they were kind of circus like you know so we were sure. like the we were like the circus barker so we thought you know ringling brothers that kind of thing oh, yeah. so that's where yeah. it came from so we said let's make a name that you know makes sense for the stage like that yeah, we're like sure. these hosts and circus barkers so that's how we came up with it and it has yeah. a ring to it too so you know yeah. keeping it mysterious is kind of cool there was like this moment also during that time when we were coming literally from behind the curtain and going in the front and hosting our own events we would kind of be doing more gender kind of gender blending like yeah. it, it was powdered wigs and sometimes more masculine and sometimes more feminine but there was a very distinct night where it was like we need to take this and bring it to level 10 like yeah. i don't want to live in this half world where i'm 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 me or i'm not me i'm this character that we're creating or not and 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 taking a new name is is uh hugely powerful in that yeah it's like putting on the a new title visage a yeah. title a, yeah. a way that you want to be addressed yeah exactly so it's not just the drag or the makeup or the hair like the name really is part of the transformation it's formalizing it yeah, yeah and it, you know we were under this misconception that if you work hard and you're creative people will recognize you for that and then I, <laughs> then we realized after working behind the scenes for so long, i'm like no bitch this is who i am and this is what you will call me and they all started it, doing it, it before so that much. you couldn't get any i know and you, before that you couldn't get any attention uh -huh. but then we we're like listen motherfucker you're gonna call me this and this is what i'm doing and that's like, right you're right you're right. <laughs> you're right. This is what I'm going to call you. Thank you. Thank you for, oh, thank you for clearing that up for me. Yeah, yeah. People like to know. People want to be uh, I think yeah. pointed in the right direction. Yes. I believe that's true. Oh. Well, hello there. We are the Femme Dolls. I'm Cherry Torn. And I'm Sophie Monroe. Dominatrix bitches, home alone and ready to double down on making you our naughty slave. We love to hear all of your kinky secrets. <laughs> oh, don't be shy. Come on, you can tell us anything. Are you gay? Because we just always like to know if a guy is gay. It feels so good to confess, doesn't it? Isn't everyone a little gay? Oh, so gay. <laughs> we were talking a lot about horror movies, but we didn't talk about what scares you in a horror movie. And for me, I get more scared by something that can actually happen, like that movie The Others with Liv Tyler. What about the two of you? I don't get scared by any horror movies at all. I, I kind of watch them because I love the energy of them. And yeah. It's kind of dark and moody and mysterious. And I usually watch them more like it's a mystery. Like, sure. why is this person doing this? What's the story behind it? Ooh, isn't this beautiful and creepy? And, you know, for me, I get scared by real life stuff way easier way yeah. easier sure. like email is terrifying to me <laughs> who knows what we're gonna get today deals terrifying me those yeah. things yeah. but horror movies don't but you do get no i totally do i get affected and for me it's not the stuff that happens in everyday life or someone breaking into your house or anything like that it's never gore or like someone getting their head chopped off or like disfigurement i'm like fine next it's all good <laughs> it's when we start getting into the realm of of like supernatural because sure. for me i find comfort in knowing kind of the boundaries in in the ways in which i'm going to be scared you yeah. know so cue the guy with the axe breaking into your house like i kind of know the realm of possibility where we're going right but when we start to get into the spiritual realm 
I can't, there's nothing to grab onto. Yeah. And that place leaves me kind of like shaking and vulnerable. You know what movie actually that was not like the one I described before, but what I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's a thing with the film projector and there's this creepy Slenderman type character. This family finds an eight millimeter projector upstairs. They play it. And oh, why does that sound familiar? It's that really spooked me out for some reason. Hmm. And they play old home movies, but the home movies are like of a family getting murdered by like one of the children. Oh, oh fuck. That sounds good. It's really good and, and freaky. And because I can't remember the name of it, it's of no use to anyone. Our director, Michael Verratti, will absolutely oh, he know. know. He, he knows, knows everything. everything. Oh, he's, okay. he's like one of those people that you're just like, hey, what do you think of this? And he's like, this actually reminds me of the film of like, I mean, yeah, let's put like, Sue blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Nobody knows who that is, Michael. Okay. Yeah. We're like, we, we actually recently just went on a stint of like, I think we watched five horror movies in 48 hours. Oh, I love that. You know, one of my favorite things to do is the new Beverly horror marathon. Oh, tell us about it. Oh, it's so good. You get in at 7 PM and you leave at 7 AM and it's six movies. They don't tell you what you're going to see, but you get to see a trailer reel before each movie that sort of indicates. So there'll be like a slasher horror oh, wow. thing, or there'll be something like a supernatural and you're like, which one is it going to be? Yeah. And if you see the trailer, that means you're not going to see the movie. So, but they, they'll fake oh. you out. Like they play the trailer for Fright Night and it was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to see Fright Night? And, but we're not going to see it. Then they started with Fright Night 2, which was fucking great oh cool yeah that's that a lot of fun so good exciting, i yeah. won't be going this year though because i'm going to tammy brown's 20th anniversary gala oh my god so we were listening to your tammy brown interview oh, fabulous. on the way over oh i love here. that yeah, that's so great kind of funny because we also love tammy i mean yeah uh, I, and I think Katya was saying like, she's like, let me blow smoke up your ass or something. And you're like my favorite drag, uh, drag race queen. Uh, what, like what a crazy character. And I also, you know, it's like, oh, we're going, if we have Tammy as a guest at one of our nights, cause she's done Dragula when we did it as a party, yeah. she's done Queen Kong. She, you know, we like to book her cause we think she's super talented and really uh, obviously original. Yeah. Uh, but we're like, we're going to fucking planet Tammy tonight. And it's like a crazy oh, ride yeah. and you never know what I you're going to get. She is too like Katya. She Tammy is my favorite from Drag Race. For okay, sure. sure I don't yeah. watch all of Drag Race. I don't know a ton about it, but what from what I do know, yeah, because of the reality, Tammy was real. Oh, very. And I like yeah. that. You yeah. know, I like that again. It's the reality TV, like the really raw when you're just a hundred percent yourself. And she was that. So I love that about her. What did we watch? We watched The Ring because our friend told us to watch it, and then I quickly realized that I had seen it already, but okay. just kind of a refresher. And we watched this Thai horror movie called Shutter. Uh -huh. There was Shudder. We also watched The Train to Busan. Oh, which right. Is the great. Train to Busan, which is that Korean um, zombie movie. Oh, how was that? We both really I liked loved it. it. And yeah, Veronica, it was a, too, was the other one that oh, we Oh, right. Veronica. I mean, I guess we're doing like the international horror yeah. tour, which was like, a, I think it's there's it was Spanish speaking. I think it might have been. I don't know. Brazil. Yeah, but they speak Portuguese there. Uh, uh, it was called Veronica oh, yeah. and it was like subtitled. That was like about possession. And then there's another one. It was Ghost, Possession, Zombies. Then, uh, Samara girl, whatever. The tax season. Is. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's the one disadvantage of doing what we do is that it you can't, you know, we go to all the haunts too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like undercover. Right, right. That's one of the advantages as well of having the characters that you right. Yeah, absolutely. We do not, yeah. we definitely have a very, you know, private life that, you know, we don't like to mix them, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we go, we'll go to all the haunts and it's like you can't get scared anymore. You know what I mean? Well, it's you're like, submerged in the thing. Yeah. That it's funny. You love it so much and then you're working within it and yeah. now you look at things in a totally different way like the way you said earlier about watching shows and being yeah. the x-ray vision. It's like overexposure. You're like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like it's the same thing with the movies or the haunts that we go to but I still love it all. For sure. We actually went last night 
And there are a couple of moments where you're like, okay, okay, I've seen this and I know this and I know this. But there were there were two moments last night where I was like, yes. And I, I literally, I like put my fist in the air and I'm like, oh my God, I love you. Thank you. You know, because you see something that just just does it. Like yeah. there, there was this, uh, there was a haunt at Not, Not Scary Farm last night. And there was, uh, it was like, uh, the room was just, it was super dark and the lights are all flashing and everything. And people are jumping out at you. But it was just a, like, kind of a mundane room, like a disheveled old like living room yeah. kind of vibe. And you're walking through and there's like garbage and a broken table and like this weird ripped up chair that doesn't have upholstery on it and a bookcase but then the chair gets up and kind of like attacks you <laughs> yeah, there was amazing. a scare actor in the chair amazing it was fucking awesome any favorite serial killers <laughs> I, you know, some horror fans are into that. Yeah, I'm personally no, not. I'm not. So, yeah. I, I find murder or any sort of violence against people deplorable. And yeah. I just can't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't get into that. She's I, not that girl. No, I don't like <laughs> Are that. you that girl? I really, I'm really not either. Like, I kind of can find it kind of fascinating if there's some, you know, true crime story about it like i'll watch it yeah but it's not my thing and i know some people are like oh they write to them and there's tattoos up their arm like all serial killer inspired and like we have those friends but that's sure. just not what does it for us same here like some people collect the paintings of so- yeah, certain exactly, ones yeah. yeah yeah i read the helter skelter book but uh that's as far as i want to go i don't want to go on the yeah. tour i don't want to yeah. get that i don't want to go to cielo drive i don't want right, to right. watch a lot of true crime stuff and i find it incredibly intriguing i read yeah. about it a lot but I definitely don't think, you know, let's be a fan of this person. I'm like, you realize what they did. Exactly. Right? It's hard like, to say you're a fan. Yeah. Of I'm like, right. you, you could have been that person or someone you're related to could have been that, you know, like. How heavy is it that Trent Reznor recorded the downward spiral in the house that Sharon Tate was murdered in? I didn't even know that. Isn't that and wild? I really like that album, it's too. It's a great album. I don't yeah. think he was in the greatest mental space at the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it worked for him. No, it worked. The album's yeah. great. And he's in a much better place now, right? Uh, yeah. so, no, totally. I love seeing Peaches Christ, of course, mm-hmm. on the show. And we talked about some of the other guests that you've had. Who are some of the other guests that you were freaked out about getting? I was nervous about Henry Rollins being on the show because, and, you know, we like him and his wife a lot. Like, we've met them at conventions and stuff. And, but, like, we'll hang out. We did a panel with him before mm-hmm. and, at DragCon with Alaska. Yeah. About, oh, cool. Yeah. About drag being punk, which is. Uh, you know but i was nervous him about bringing great. him on to because i think he he was on early in the season and our show is so punk that it's like you know i feel like protective of them i'm like okay, oh i see yeah, yeah, yeah i feel yeah, like right. something's gonna happen because honestly the competitors are very unpredictable and that day was a very unpredictable day <laughs> it There's was people freaking yeah. out and think you know people stabbing themselves and stuff it was needles in the face yeah yes. the wrong, yeah which is already intense right and then there's they, the other stuff not to spoil anything i don't know that it came across but all of them had like piercing through their thumbs to do that uh oh. blood ritual oh at the okay beginning. okay so there was like needles and blood and people like <laughs> acting like fucking fools like wild animals and stuff and and, and i get where you're coming it from. it was with scary because they literally at one point and i'm not going to go too into it one day maybe we will a couple of them charged the judge's booth and like stabbed themselves like five feet from Harry Robbins. And I'm like, please tackle them and drag them away. And you're like, what is happening? Because, you know, that's, you can't, you know, you have people, lots of forms have to be filled out to get these people in that seat. Yeah. Right. You know, so yeah. it's scary. I'm like, could you please not act like an ass right now? Side note though, I think Henry was kind of like, damn okay like, yeah he seemed really excited real. yeah. you know he, yeah. he was excited and i had nothing but like a, a huge level of respect because he is like a very masculine 
persona, you know, that re- that that's representing from a, a very specific sector of like music yeah. that has a lot of uh, attachments to a, a, a certain type. And for yeah. him to kind of step out of that and come on a show like ours, it's just, it's really ballsy and it, we need allies like that, that can just kind of dispel any of like weirdness because it's gay or, or anything like that. It's just like a non-issue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was the really poignant actually when i thought about the fact that he came because it was you know a lot of guys would be threatened by doing something like sure, that for sure yeah and he wasn't and all the judges this year have been great mana lapore was super fun yeah she was fun. she was amazing on it yeah <laughs> yeah i want to get her on the, at the podcast yeah she's great she would be fantastic for sure um yeah i'm happy with all the judges it was fun honestly. because because for us too it's like it's a delight to see you know that the show is growing in a lot of ways for fans, but even people that want to be a part of it, want to put their weight, yeah. put their stamp on it and say, hey, I'd love to be part of what you guys are creating. It's super flattering for us and it gives us more fuel to kind of keep going forward. Sure, you're inspiring people that may have inspired you. You know, we have the nun, we have the girl from Halloween, yeah. we got one of the witches from the craft, we've got Sig Neutron who does all this like amazing like special effects makeup. I think season three really put a connective tissue to all these worlds and it 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 shows maybe in a way that we weren't able to show in a previous season yes it's it's weird because we've gone so long without recognition and just sort of following our belief that seeing when we get the numbers and emails they're like look you guys are the top show and you're trending on amazon and you see your show next to these really popular mainstream i'm like Like, why are we next to like friends and i'm like no like uh vanderpump i think was one of them yeah we were the number one reality show uh in the u.s and the uk on itunes and we were right for episode six yeah yeah that's amazing six came out it was like the most uh, how do they gauge it? Like the Viewed most streamed or whatever, or some, something show. like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Like so, we were like your number one slot, and I'm like, okay. But then they, they're sending us screenshots. We're like, look, look, <laughs> and I'm like, we're like shell shocked still. I'm like, yeah. okay, right. it's like it's weird. It's like we say in our house, we're like, we, we don't celebrate victories. We just acknowledge them and move on because we're dealing in the background. It's something we're trying to get better about because we're so used to clawing our way up. You yeah, know? it's true. It is a big thing, actually. You know, you have to be able to eventually if not pat yourself on the back, be able to celebrate the victories because mm-hmm. there are there are so many challenges and pitfalls right. and struggles along the way. Exactly. Our claws are always out. It feels like, uh, you know, the two of us and our team, the people around us and our team is like amazing. The guys that we work closely with are super devoted to like what we're creating. So I love them. And but we're, we're always kind of in the fight, it, like yeah. struggling to just keep clawing up and forward but we do need to remember to like even if we just celebrate amongst ourselves yeah exactly and you know because a lot of times it can be easy to look for the flaw or like okay well maybe that's what it is now but uh what about next week honestly we were put here in some bigger reason because i feel like our struggle and being the underdog and clawing our way up since we were kids and dealing with all that uniquely trained us to be able to take this art form yeah and take it across the finish line and get it broadcast you know internationally to the people that it's hitting now because it's hard and a lot of i mean honestly i believe most people would give up you know sure and i think you're right and also i i think that the the club promoting stuff there's no better training ground for that right like, yeah, I, I don't know that may be true it's a certain type of um dancing through uh landmines really you know especially in the beginning stages oh definitely i think it's like a interesting blend a complex blend of like believing in what you're doing pleasing people to a certain degree (laughs) but also learning how to survive when the larger predator 
the one who's who's jungle you're trying to like kind of penetrate <laughs> is there to try to destroy you right but we learned that in the club world when we were first starting like our first like the first time at back is the home run that whole vibe you sure. could tell it was like oh this is totally working this club is fucking hot and like look know, at how there's a line you know too when you are the small terrorist cell and you know when you've come up against the roman empire and they're threatened by you, you're like why are you threatened by me you're this huge thing and you're like Oh, right. You can topple empires like that very easily if you know what you're doing. And we've been in that position where we like as clubs, we're not a corporate club and some giant corporate club would try to take what we have. They see the potential in it and we've had to destroy them. It's true. And it's trained us to deal with TV, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they sound pretty similar industries. uh, Yeah. I mean, in this particular analogy, the time when the larger club tried to come for us and and just it, it wasn't the last time that a larger entity tried to come it never for us. is yeah it, ne- it never really is it's yeah. a no. perpetual place that we, what did we say earlier like that disc that the uncomfortable place where oh you're, yeah you're taking risks and <laughs> yeah, you're that's always right. kind of go forge forward you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable yeah exactly but it all, again like then it's just something we believe we're like we don't engage in negativity at all we sort of our goal, we ignore it all or absorb it and try to look forward and be positive and just do what we love. And we believe that if we do that, we will ha- find the success that we, or what's supposed to happen will happen. I'll put it that way. I'm curious what the impetus was for you two to leave New York. I think it's just uh, purely instinctual. And we were definitely not the only ones that felt it because w- what actually we realized soon after we got here was this was a period of time where there, there must have been something in the ethers because there was an exodus. Well, it was when Giuliani was the mayor and he was basically erasing queer nightlife. So they were doing raids on nightlife and coming up with all these ridiculous reasons, which is funny now because Giuliani's in the news for his ridiculous (laughs) corrupt shit again. But at the time, he was heralded as some sort of hero. Uh, But he was actually cleaning up New York, cleaning up New York. He was really whitewashing the entire city and just taking all the, the nightlife culture and underground culture from the city. And that kind of prompted us and we said this seems like a signal you know to leave you worked in nightlife at the time i worked in uh in in magazines but i did a lot of um kind of underground magazines that covered nightlife so we crossed you know we're in the same i I was in art school there too and i had graduated and it was then and giuliani the city was changing what we did was, was like let's go camping across country <laughs> in the was, woods again you're in back the, to the yeah. woods <laughs> and we found ourselves here and we landed we we stopped in la and we're like we could live here. Okay. And then we drove back to the East Coast, packed our shit, and moved here. We had no cell phones or anything. We had a book that was like, here's an old 70s book that would tell you where campgrounds were. And we drove in a Jeep and we took like a month. We just stopped. We said, wherever we want to go, yeah. we're going to go that day. So one day we'd wake up and be like, we, let's go to New Orleans. So we drove to New Orleans and we'd camp out there. Mm-hmm. And it was like the adventure of a lifetime. It was amazing. Yeah. I actually felt there was such a sense of freedom not being connected to everything. Yeah. You know, again, you're like, that's scary. And maybe it was, there was some level of just like kind of being vulnerable and isolated, but it was like a really, it's like someone's got to make a movie out of it, goddamn it. That's like one of those like coming of age trips or something. Well, it really does sound you like know? that. And yeah. also, that's that funny thing where you do release yourself from the, oh, but I need to be connected to people or I need to know exactly what I'm doing for the next week, which right. I, I kind of discovered when I started traveling solo. Traveling solo has been the most amazing thing for me, you know, because you just shed a lot of that stuff. You think, mm. like recently in London, um, I, was in the taxi on the way to the airport and we couldn't get there basically because of the protests, the Brexit protests. Mm. Oh, okay. The first time I traveled by myself, I might've freaked out, but I just went, okay, I'm just going to call them and 
it's going to work out. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? It will work out. I'm going back to London for DragCon UK. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know my hotel or anything that is, but I'm like, it'll all sort out. I'll figure it out. No, yeah. it's a nice mental space to be. Yeah. We had a tour that got postponed because of uh, conflict with the booking or whatever, but our um, Europe tour will, is also going to be during that time of drag uh, DragCon. Oh, no way. Yeah, but I think I think we'll be in Manchester the day that the London DragCon is happening. Is there a London date as well? It doesn't coincide with, uh, I think it might be the next no, that would be even better. No, if it's I think not the same I think day. we go Glasgow, Manchester, then it's Dublin because there, there's an easy jump to from Manchester to Dublin. Okay, and then and yeah, then to London. London. Oh yeah. well, great because I'm going to be there for like two and a half weeks or oh, something. Yeah, we'll come. be there for sure. Uh, I, I would the love, no, I would love to. I would yeah, love to. That's amazing. Fantastic. I think it's at the the Clapham Grand again, which that's amazing. Is I so just cool. went. I just went there for the Bob and the. I see. I mix up all the names, which is terrible. I should know, right? But there's you like totally a bunch of should. and the comedy something. <laughs> oh I know, yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. It's Bob's comedy tour. It's like Bob and Jackie. And yeah, and Karen from Finance yeah, and Vivian. See, I remember their names, just the show names, because I know that there's Katya and the comedy queens coming up. So I just mix it up and I'm like, sure. no, that's not it. But anyway, so Bob's tour <laughs> put yeah. on by Club Kids UK. Uh, yeah, nice. Terrific. And I went to the Clapham Grand and a beautiful, beautiful place. I'd never been there before. So magical. Yeah, we loved it. That that was like probably one of the best stops that when we did the, our, the, UK, uh, the UK tour we did for season two. It was our our first time taking the Dragula girls there because we had been there just the two of us one other time and um, we're like it was I think the closing night of the tour and we were at the Clapham Grand and it's just so beautiful it's kind of like you know an, an old theater a oh, space yeah. Yeah. a space kind of a mini version of where we do our Halloween ball here in Los Angeles and that's the Globe right the Globe Theater yeah, yeah. Um, on the 26th of this month uh, <laughs> see you there folks yeah but our friend came down came up into the green room with like the, uh, his cell phone and he's like look at this look at what's going on outside and there was a line out the door and just blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks long I mean that Clapham Grand was just packed for the season two you know us and the season two ghouls it was that's amazing awesome. that's yeah. great yeah. yeah that'll be exciting that's part of the thing it's exciting to take the competitors from this season and expose because some of them before they got on the show hadn't even been on a plane before you know wow yeah so that is amazing interesting yeah. to be like to let them see that people appreciate them it shock it always shocks them like taking a bore i feel like the first time she was like how do people and these other countries know who i am and yeah. they and you know they love her you know yeah or we did um God, what was it that we did oh the premiere party also at the Globe, one of the competitors from season three was like backstage and she's about to go on. She's like, this is the biggest crowd that I've ever performed for. Wow. Just coming out of the small uh, bar scene where, you know, she she's from. Yeah. And I was like, well, we're going to move you to the opening number now. <laughs> In that case. <laughs> so the extermination challenges are always pretty intense. But I think there's only one where someone backed out, right? Yes. That's right. And it was Violencia, also from Boston. Right. That's right. It was unfortunate. I felt bad for her. But I wanted to see what you two thought of it. Because I know on you know on the show, it's taken as uh, an insult to the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wondered if you would expand on that. You could sense her fear immediately. Okay. And I did everything I could to make everyone around her try to help her overcome that fear. Sure. Like, for me, the, my top shelf wish list was... She jumps out of the plane right. and, and, and whatever happens after that, as far as the show or whatever, doesn't matter. Right. Because I believed that if she didn't, it would be something that she would regret. Right. And now that it's been, you know, months and months since we filmed it and weeks since it's actually aired, I know that my feelings were true. Right. Uh, she, she does regret it. And I didn't take it as a personal offense, although I did, it was an affront to the structure of the show. Sure. There was a part of me that was like, 
if you're not going to do the shit, then why are you here? What's the shooting timeline for the extermination challenges? So you're in the full regalia during the uh, floor show and the judging. The timeline is it happens immediately okay. or very shortly after. If there's a some kind of like technical need to wait any time, but w- within I probably it's 20, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, usually it's literally minutes after you see them. Yeah, because I was wondering if you were still in full regalia and then being like, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> oh that- <laughs> no, we're in, we know what's happening, and we're in drag on set. All I'm the just time. imagining yeah. that that might uh, also intensify your feelings of like, what do you mean you're not going to do it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have a sclera lens. Yeah, totally. The biggest concern is that for me at least it was i can't tolerate this because i don't want someone to think they can come on the show and avoid doing extermination because you can't like that won't happen again if someone refuses it i literally would just reverse everything back and set up a different i would just change things or i don't know how i would do it but you won't see that on the show again i just will have zero tolerance policy and you know Here's I'm going to fight her on that, by the way. We'll but go see. ahead, continue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it made for an interesting story, but I don't yeah. want people to think, because sometimes people think, I want to go on Dragula. But what always makes us get quality competitors is, if you're not right for the show, you're like, oh, but I don't want to do that crazy shit. Right, and so it weeds right. out people that shouldn't be on the show that are just going on there for attention. Um, and so I don't want people to think they can do that. And the second part is like, we spoke about fear earlier. Violencia should have jumped out of that plane. Yeah, And if she had a, I think that her trajectory on the show would have been very different. And because, and I know people say, well, sometimes you're just too scared. And I'm like, well, if you're that fucking scared, you shouldn't come on the show. <laughs> and for me, like I said, seriously, why well, you, you've, this is the third season. This is not the first season. This is the third season. You know what the fuck's going on right. here. Anything. If you had a problem with blood, if you got a problem, whatever, just yeah. maybe this is not for you. Well, right. and it says that uh, it literally says on the application if you are not a thrill seeker, do not come on this show. <laughs> right, and right. we talk, we actually talk about it on the Last Supper, the reunion episode that's coming up shortly. We talk with Violencia about it, and she was immediately regretful. And I'm talking within a week of saying no. Yeah. So that's what frustrates me is because you should have listened to us and because now you're regretful. And you can't get rid of that. You can't you go can't back undo. in time. Yeah. There's one thing that they never understand when I say they, I mean the competitors, that we and our advice, we are always right. <laughs> For any potential Dragula contestants for seasons four or five and beyond, take note. If we give you advice, you better fucking take it. <laughs> if Ian comes up to you on set, which he does not go up to them, if Ian comes up to you and says something in your ear, you better fucking do it. <laughs> but not really. But you know, it's kind of like some of them will try to self produce. I'm like, you are fucking up right now. You know, like that's not going to work. Like, I want to be really nice. I'm like, you need to be yourself and give us your reaction. That's why we cast you because yeah. we like your raw reaction to things. Even if sometimes it's not pleasant, it's good because you're showing the, the audience wants to see the real you, you yeah. know? And what is the casting process like? Like, how do you go about selecting the people? Well, first we get the Ouija board. <laughs> okay, sure. Well, that's <laughs> first with every, every good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so they, you know, they I have, thought it was Mezcal. That's interesting. But go ahead. <laughs> they, they have to audition. They, you know, and we, we do a lot of people and usually other people, people will watch it first to make sure there's it's just not a joke or a prank yeah. or something and then we all watch it together a couple of times and we put a lot in there there's things that you can kind of tell from watching an audition tape if this person is going to work or not okay but we we 
then you know the producers call them talk to them we talk to them privately before we cast them because mm-hmm. I, I i refuse to put someone on the show without talking to them first sure. i feel like we need to be like this is comes from our spirit so i need to know that you get it totally so that's part of it so there's people we've talked to on the phone and went through the whole process and got to the end and been like no because once you're in the room with them you just immediately know I think some people don't necessarily understand this, um, how how heavily involved we are with almost all the processes of the show mm-hmm. um, coming from the challenges themselves, the exterminations themselves, the casting, where we're going, the guest judges like this is just a huge extension of like our intention and creativity. So it is a big part of us to, to, to say, like, we want to connect with the contestants because right. they're kind of in our families and. I actually can't stand some of my own personal blood family. So I'd like to try to minimize that happening in my Dragula family. Yeah, yeah we try not to, to put people on the show that we don't feel like will bring positivity ultimately. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we absolutely. We're not going to put someone that's just absolutely irredeemably rancid on the show. Yeah. It's the same thing with judges. There's people like, why don't you make me a judge? I'm like, because you're an asshole. <laughs> and we're trying to teach these, you know, we're trying to teach these young performers how to succeed and, and to put out a positive message and turn the other cheek and all that. Yeah. And these people, I'm like, you're terrible. Right. Yeah, like, you're I'm a sour you. bitch and I can't. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to put you on the show so you can teach them how to be an asshole. I don't oh think so. God. It's no. so true. I'm also curious uh, what your feeling is on blood pudding or uh, eating insects because I have a little treat for everyone. Okay. Uh, salt and Straw makes terrific uh, Halloween themed oh, ice yes. cream. And Creepy Crawly Critters is one. It's got uh, toffee covered uh, mealworms, I believe, mm-hmm. and a lovely matcha green tea base ice cream. And the other one <laughs> is Dracula's Blood Pudding. Yeah. Which, uh, let's, uh, let me pull up the description because I think. Oh, please do. Yeah. Uh, I think we went to Salt and Straw last last Halloween season. I was like, oh my God, what a cute joke. Uh, and I'm like, wait, these bitches are serious. Oh, they're yeah. very serious. And this is the second year that I've seen the Dracula's Blood Pudding. Oh, yeah. amazing. I'm trying to remember the other one that they had last year that was, it was an Essence of Ghost last year, which was interesting. I tried interesting. that one. Yeah. There was like a smoke in it. Yeah it, and yeah. it was kind of an indistinct flavor, the kind where you keep going, well, let me taste another flavor. Yeah. Oh, it almost, me, it yeah. was like kind of just neutral, <laughs> right? neutral left or something. Yeah. Like, right. Ne- I I see neutral, neutral not even sweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there was the worm one, the blood one, the ghost one, and there was another one, but I can't remember. There's like a there candy was. corn one or something. I yeah, think. that's right. There was a candy yeah. corn one. Now that was less adventurous. It was, yeah. <laughs> this year, I think the great candy copia is the one in that slot where it's just a whole bunch of different candies okay. yeah, in there. So Dracula's Blood Pudding. This ice cream is specifically created for this year's Halloween Thrill Seekers. No holds barred. This is the most intoxicatingly impelling ice cream flavor we've ever featured. We've taken careful measures to balance both delectable and frightful. A heady mix of spices and cream are cooked into real blood pudding with a hint of chicken liver and then spun into our ice cream laboratory. This one will make you squirm with delight. So have you had these two before? I've not tried the blood ones. Um, if I have an Achilles heel, and I've shared this before, it's eating weird shit. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, it's probably like the only thing that would give me... Uh, a little bit of a, a stutter step when it came really? to like our show. Yeah. Okay. Just because I, you know, for me, it's kind of this uncontrollable, just, I'll, yeah, <laughs> just, I'll, I'll puke it. In London, I ordered um, a breakfast sandwich without having a room service menu. So it comes to the room and I forgot or didn't know that the, the English breakfast thing has blood pudding. I almost bit into it and then I was like, hang on a second. I opened it up and there's these two like orange wedge slices of blood pudding in there. And mm. I was like, okay, I'm not really eating this. That's uh, I was like, this has contaminated the whole breakfast. Yeah. But you, you've tried that stuff, like those blood sausages. And well, like- so yeah, so this is, I told you from like, 
a southern family so sure. you know this is like very like hunter family so we oh, okay. ate all kinds of stuff yeah. but also my dad was a butcher uh-huh. so we had tons of meat and all kinds of different stuff all the time in the house so yeah. i that doesn't excuse me out at all you like, just get I'm very like, used to seeing that stuff around and yeah. all the different combinations oh yeah Absolutely. like animals ha- hanging in the garage like being drained no seriously <laughs> no, oh my god yeah. wow. well, i mean yeah just wow. to be straight up yeah like when i was growing up you know my family hunted and so yeah. There would be like deers hung by their ankles just in the garage, dripping oh, blood. Wow. Out and or totally ripped. I mean, it looked like a horror movie. It's funny because yeah. we talk about that. And I'm like, my mom gets so skeezed out by horror movies. And I'm like, how <laughs> are you skeezed out by look in the garage? I was like, this looks like a massacre. <laughs> right. We had an abattoir in the house. Yeah. And especially with things large like a deer that's very humanoid you know size it's kind of freaky but yeah so that stuff doesn't bother me at all blood or eating Mm. different things yeah one movie i couldn't make my way through um was a movie my friend john grant was showing me i think called a year of 13 moons by ronner warner fassbender and the first five minutes okay fine there's it's kind of brutal and tough then there is a long soliloquy by a trans character about the brutality that they've endured through their life while that's going on, they're at a slaughterhouse, and it's just the whole process of the cows getting cut open, bled out. I, I had to tap out. I was like, "Look, wow. I'm up for a lot of things, man. I can't with this." And he's like, "No, I know it's pretty intense." I was like, "And I get it should be, but I can't. I just can't watch it." You know, something that comes up too on the show. We actually are like huge animal activists. So despite my upbringing, you know, we love animals and detest people usually. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so it's like I think people watch the show and they see that they're eating uh, crazy things and blood. I mean, yeah. well, they, these are things that have already been killed that you go to the butcher shop and buy. We uh, we don't condone any kind of animal violence. Or no, you're not like killing that. the animal for yeah. the purpose. No, of this. absolutely yeah. not. Like it's a, it's a weird, you know, it's a line for some people that they think we cross and it's fine. Yeah, but yeah, in our real lives, we're very uh, huge animal. Activist. I mean, we were both vegetarians for a couple of years, and like I do eat meat, but it's very selective at this point. And I don't know, I could see myself kind of going back. Uh-huh. What made you fall off the vegetarian wagon to begin with? I think just my own sense of wellness. Okay. And I don't know if that has to do with actual science, like the nutrients, the B12 and red blood or whatever it is, but like. Or bloodlust. Yeah, it's hard to say. You know, I can only hold it off for so long. <laughs> we were like vegan for a while. Like yeah. we tried, but. And, and I think. If I took the time and I really studied it, I could try to replace those nutrients. But there is something, there's something that's not there that we're not compensating for. Because I felt like I was going to die after a Well, month. it's difficult. I actually like to cook and, you know, mm-hmm. we both like food. Um, but if you're if you're limiting your diet, for us, we didn't have someone like, hey, do it this way. And you can oh, right. incorporate this into your life. So it was just kind of like this challenge and every day yeah. you know yeah. and who the hell likes that <laughs> <laughs> now you got enough going on with the whole yeah uh, we live yeah. very busy exactly. lives too so it just kind of didn't fit after yeah. a while especially when you have to go into the meetings with the business people that you said were so <sighs> stressful as well how often are those happening like you so you have a show on you know it's on amazon it's it's doing its thing yeah yeah does that lessen the type of stress that you have with the business people I don't think so because it creates new opportunities. Sure. So you're meeting new people, you know, even, uh, you know, whatever it might be, you're dealing with a, a big touring company now, or you're dealing with another network sees something and they're like, well, we want to want you to do this or, sure. you know, so more opportunities come up or licensing or a book deal or whatever things yeah. come up that are stressful, you know, because you don't, you know, you have to navigate them and people in the business world are just so different than the artists that we're used to dealing with, yeah. you know? Like straddling those two worlds has been really difficult. Like sometimes I, I romanticize this period. It was 2012. We did Dragula the party. Our lives were just a lot slower 
um, I, I didn't have as much money or as many, as much responsibility sure. or as much opportunity. I mean, these are the things that come with you. You pay for everything in life. Like, and I, I've learned that. <laughs> yeah. So with all of this notoriety and visibility and, and possibility, it takes its toll. Sure. You have to pay with energy and private life and personal time and frivolity, which is just all gone. And sometimes I go, I throw back to that period where I was like, well, I, I did a monthly party, but I was at the beach like three times a week <laughs> and I really didn't have that much money, but I kind of didn't give a shit either. You sure. Know? What's your travel schedule like? Because I know you do international things, but how thick and thorny has it gotten in the last couple the of years? The show production dominates our schedule when it's happening. Obviously, we're, we have to be available and that takes a lot of time. Yeah. In the off season of production, it kind of coincides now in the Halloween season is probably like our busiest. We can't do the like drag queen thing where you're like, let me just go on tours for like six months. Like yeah. it would be nice. But the, the fact is there's always stuff going on that it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like even, you know, I'm not going to go into what it is, but it's kind of exciting that, you know, the show's doing very well on Amazon. Yeah. So there is an opportunity to do something else kind of quickly the variety show like the <laughs> no it, it's like you know it's just, it's just another oppor- a lot of opportunities are coming up for the show to yeah. return to production basically yeah. so uh you know we can't really commit to things because i'm like i don't know what's going to happen you know what i mean right. if we have to go start because like he like she said when we go into pre-productions we're a part of everything uh, absolutely so right. we can't just yeah. disappear for a month and be on a tour bus i mean it would be it's a great fantasy maybe one day that'll happen but right now it's just not possible it is nice though when when we do sit our asses into the seats of the plane because literally it's like we just shut the world out and it's just the two of us yeah and we travel very well together and it's good just to be in that space I think a lot of people think of traveling as stressful. Sure. Uh, like, oh, especially like international travel. There's so many things to remember. 11, 14 hours on a plane. For me, it's like a meditative retreat. Because it's enforced. Yeah. yeah it's, there's it, nothing it's you can enforced. do about it. Yeah. Yeah. That time when we were in the plane going to Australia was like the most peaceful time <laughs> of the last four years of my life. It was amazing. I was yeah. like, I'm going to watch a movie. Yeah. I'm going to watch two movies. Yeah. And nobody's going to text me. Like, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty amazing. But this, this month um, we're doing, we're doing a lot. The Halloween ball, which is the Los Angeles Halloween ball on the 26th is the biggest party we throw every year. Yeah. It's just three levels of absolute madness mm-hmm. and it's drag and mazes and, and, different dance floors and bougie bottle service and stilt walkers. And there's mate, you know, there's just com- pumpkin carving and all kinds of stuff. It's our favorite party, but we're also doing like a Halloween event in, the night before in Atlanta. So oh. then we're flying right back to Los Angeles. That's intense. Well, then the it next is, day where are we, then we do uh dark Harbor, like the queen Mary does like their haunt. Oh, okay. So is we're that hosting Beach? that. Is yeah. That, yeah. Yes, in so we're really Beach. excited about that. That's something we've always wanted to do. So, uh, that's going to be fun. We're doing that. And then we're doing uh Boston, a Halloween, night with katya and trixie in the top three from dragula top four top four and then immediately the next night we're going to louisville nashville Nashville. nashville's on november 1st louisville on november 2nd wow then san francisco on the 10 and i think that might be it for right now yeah then we're gonna be busy (laughs) (laughs) well that's enough though i think that's uh, quite a a nice stint you know because like it's simpler times for us because like we we go we perform we meet people you know with you know we have some drinks and be fabulous and come home right it's a lot easier than being in los angeles sometimes and like creating the show and doing all the things that come with it you know we produce so much stuff and it's very heady it's you know it takes a lot yeah it's nice to go 
and just appear and perform and meet the fans, yeah. you know, and just have to, I'm, I mean, it's hard for us to, we'll be in the dressing room and be like, is someone, like, who's doing the lights? Who's doing, you know, it's hard <laughs> like, to let go and trust me? Like, it. Who's running this and schedule? And I never trust it. I'm always like, they're full of shit. They're not doing it. Yeah, like, right. I gotta go know. check this. I gotta go check no, this. Exactly. Yeah. And half the time yeah. we'll have Ian with us and I'll be, he's our assistant. Yeah. And I'm like, go make sure, you know, go. And he's like, they're good. I'm sure. And he'll be like going up into the DJ booth or the lighting booth and like nosing around. They're like, we got it. You know, he makes cameos on the show every season. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really at this point, he's like, you know, he's not really our assistant, but that's just what, how he started. Like yeah, he actually sure. runs a lot of our business and he's a yeah. producer on the show. So, but we're just used to calling him our assistant. Yes. <laughs> Aide de camp, girl Friday, any of those yeah. maybe? Yeah. yeah. yeah he'll yeah. be our assistant <laughs> forever, whether he likes yeah. it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Executive administrator, something like yeah. that. The, the titles sure. are endless. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing we didn't talk about was music. And yeah. I, I imagine that you have quite a few favorites. So let me hear a few of those. Here's what I'm listening to right now. So it's like a lot of like kind of like gothy adjacent stuff like Ostra and um, this girl, um, Agnes Obel, my friend turned me on to and like Morrissey. I'll put those in rotation. Then there's another playlist, which is completely different depending on my mood, which is all like banji ball Vogue music, Uh like ballroom voguing, which I'm kind of low-key obsessed with right now and then there's playlist three which will be super hardcore like combi christ and like guns and roses and uh just like more industrial and how about you my musical tastes are across the board i mean Mm -hmm. literally i love like bluegrass country music gospel like which is things no one would expect i mean of course i love you know all the expected music and a lot of the same things that we listen to the same things but I love concrete blonde, very oh, yeah. vocal driven bands. You've been, uh, uh, we've been doing a lot of country lately, like yeah. in the car and stuff. I yeah. have an appreciation for like kind of 1950s. Oh, I love country. old country. Yeah. yeah. Country's great. And I love like 70s country too when it almost sort of morphed into semi disco. Almost kind of poppy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was an interesting period for sure. I'm, I'm not from the South, so that's not a common, common thing for me. And it's not something that I would necessarily would say, like, I'm going to listen to country. But to be adjacent to it, that's my exposure. So yeah, sure. I'm yeah. kind of into this. Uh, rural horror vibe that's what's been kind of floating in my head so some of that music when when you hear like old bluegrass like I know some people it feels it it, uh, invokes one thing to them but to me I'm this horror world is coming it's starting to develop this kind of farmhouse horror like you can almost see it if you look at it through a certain lens it's kind of scary a lot of those lyrics I mean think about some of the Johnny Cash stuff Mm -hmm. very dark super dark yeah Yeah. really dark what's the name of the um... Ola Bell Reed yeah yeah Yeah, she's had like I mean I would never know her if I didn't know you but yeah it's like an old bluegrass singer like Uh uh, very old I think she was around in the 50s or 60s yeah some of that stuff is not that far away from some of the nick cave stuff mm-hmm. really in, in lyrical tone yeah yeah which is like concrete blonde i feel like it's kind of in that same right universe True. and she one of those things uh the girls from concrete blonde live in um joshua tree yeah like Maha- jeanette napolitano yeah uh-huh. yeah, oh, okay. yeah yeah which is kind of interesting because we go out there regularly too like we love it out in the high desert mm-hmm. uh where there's like no people <laughs> <laughs> there's something odd you think uh, dark or like mysterious gothy kind of people wouldn't go to such a sun bleached place but for some reason there's something about the desolation that attracts uh artists like that out there i guess that's what it is but it's like one of the only places that we can go where it's just truly quiet the desert is healing i really kind of believe that it is though yeah. like we go there and the sun just like scorches right through you and it's so quiet and the energy is so diffused mm-hmm. it's really like the opposite of like what los angeles does to you it's kind of like the antidote and also you know whether it's club nights or shooting the show 
you're around so many people and so many different people's energies as well. So I imagine it can be hard sometimes to filter that out. You know, I'm very sensitive to that. And that's something we talk about. So many times I'm like, I need to go to the desert and be alone. Like I need to not be around because I take on people's energy sometimes. That's something about shooting the show with the competitors. Like on the show, when you watch it, we seem cold and distant from them. And we do that because we don't want to be influenced in our judgment by their personalities or things. But behind the scenes we really do take a lot of that on we're thinking about them we're caring about them we're like should we do this should we you know we're we're just we want to take care of them but we need to be removed and let them go through their experience too or else you know the whole point of the show isn't there right well yeah it would be hard if you sympathize with them too much when you're seated at the table right and but i I like that moment with hollow eve where she really had a moment and i can't remember which one of you said it because you know you kind of look alike on the show but uh (laughs) (laughs) it might have been you said i love your spirit yeah which was a nice little sort of break in that which you really didn't expect well i wanted i wanted hollow to know that we appreciated everything they were bringing to the show. And the messages we resonate with, we're like, yes, it's amazing that someone's doing this. But at the same time, we knew, we knew this, that the delivery was going to be controversial. Sure. And after us being on TV and things we've said before, I'm like, this is a choice to deliver the message like this. And really opening yourself up to both support Oh, and yeah. criticism, and right. it was which intense. is heavy. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's fine. Some people are cool with doing that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know how they think now in retrospect about that choice. Sure, but, well, it's like know. season one, Camille. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. Like, yeah. When you don't know, you don't know. You have no idea how you're yeah. going to feel about that kind of. Um, well, feedback. they don't want to listen to you because they think maybe you're trying to manipulate them, or, or you're trying to produce experience. them, or taint yeah. their artistic voice. And I'm like. I'm just trying to get you not to get your ass kicked, okay? But that's cool. Like, if that, you know, like seriously, it's like I don't want no, them to go through that. Yeah. yeah, not everyone can handle it. Like, we handled the feedback from the fans very differently. You know, where I, I feel like I'm a little bit more detached, mm-hmm. and maybe this goes to speaks to Drax sensitivity as well, um, where I can objectively say, okay, I understand this is someone's perspective. It's not mine, and you know, it doesn't affect me at all. Right. Or if it does, it's minimal. It doesn't penetrate and it, it, it shucked off. But I also saw what it can do to other people. Like I saw what it did to Drac and it, I think people of certain sensitivity, it can be really destructive. You can right. get stuck in that place and not know how to go beyond it. And I look at it, I look at Hollow as a lot of things. Like, uh, personally, I think she's an, uh, an amazing artist, but also a sensitive person. Sure. And that type, if you're not ready for that type of criticism or that level of so many comments, people commenting on what you do and what you create across the spectrum, you could be hurt. Right. And it is interesting too, with such an, uh, you know, someone's very brash and they're doing, uh, she's highly invested in the filth aspect of what she does. The sensitivity there. It's so yeah. funny. The, 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 um, the dichotomy. Yeah. And people say that about us too, and the show in general, like, oh, the, the spooky, scary ones are the ones that seem to really give a fuck about the contestants. <laughs> like we care about those girls. Yeah. Someone said something to me, uh, you know, the well of someone's like, how, how does it go? The well that's dug. Uh, nope, that's not it either. Well, Louisiana said. No, no. It, it's Louisiana. okay. I meant to say paradox before and I said dichotomy. So <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, the well of someone's empathy yeah. is, is dug with uh, the amount of pain that they felt in their life. I think that's true. And also that reminds me of something I was thinking about the other day where you think about rough times you had in your life or the painful experiences we were talking about before. And then later, 
not even being very cosmic or whatever you want to say, but you think, oh, maybe there was a reason. You know what I mean? Or at yes. least I've made there, I made there be a reason why I've made that not just uh, be meaningless. Right. I mean, we're into that, that, that cosmic view. I think you could tell like, yeah, by many I had, of the yeah. things that we've said today, but you're right. It was uh, Louisiana definitely reflected the same sentiment, but that's not where I had heard it first. Oh, okay. Yeah. She said the same thing. Like, okay. you know, queer people have been through a lot of shit in their lives. So they have a lot of care and empathy for the people around them. Right. Yeah. So now I think it's time for ice cream. All right. Yes. Yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> so we have the Dracula's Blood Pudding and the Creepy Crawly Critters, which I'm actually quite a fan of. I've tried the Dracula's Blood Pudding once before, but I think I had one bite on the show and then it got freezer burned. So I need to I need to look at this. So yes. this is the what's the ingredient? This is the one? Creepy Crawly Critters, uh salt and straw, and we've got milk, all natural cream, sugar, tapioca, Don Bugito's ch- coconut brittle. Like where's the good stuff here? Hold on. Chocolate covered crickets. Toffee brittle mealworms. Are those the two critters in there? I guess I'll try this. I'm going to try them both. You don't? Go for it. Uh, oh, okay. I, I mean, I will. It's de- I'm definitely like fighting the urge not to, but this I'm This is <laughs> Dracula's blood pudding. It contains milk, all natural cream, sugar, tapioca syrup, cocoa powder, and pig's blood. <laughs> brandy. It has brandy in it, so you might get a buzz. Natural okay. food coloring. Oh, it does have booze in it? I don't drink, so Bloody I typically and avoid uh uh yeah i don't know i'm sure it's good here's the thing though salt and straw needs to sponsor us now if we're gonna give them all well here's the thing we've been yakking about it on the fucking show like it becomes uh, every they month sponsor you they need to be sending you crates of yeah. this they do i know i'm fucking postmating the shit here and i'm like every time i'm like what am i doing yeah okay so let's go for creepy carly's yes first. let's do it so okay. we got each got it spoons and little balls there put this microphone are you gonna do it are you gonna serve us up now that's the kind of serving you can just swallow it and you don't even know you tasted it. I've heard that before. <laughs> exactly. All right. Crickets and mealworms. Hopefully you get some in every bite. So what does everyone think? Tastes like mint chocolate chip. Yeah. 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 It's fine. The matcha is giving me a, a wonderful overtone over the crunchy, non-de- nondescript, I don't know what I'm eating kind of vibe. Feel, it's fine. It's tickling in my throat, though. Is it? Is it moving? <laughs> it's coming out? No. <laughs> we got a very fresh batch. Yeah. <laughs> Tastes fine to me. Not too gross. No, not at all. I know. Right? It's like mint chocolate chip. It is like yeah. mint chocolate chip. I mean, all right, I'm going to start dishing out the pig's right, blood. Let's do it. I know. I should make a highlight reel of every time we've talked about salt and straw. And every time they have a monthly flavors, it's a discussion on the show, so... Last year, it didn't have the liver in it, I don't think. If I'm I don't remember mistaken. that being yeah. in the description either. I'm only trying this because the name is cool. Like <laughs> chicken livers and pig's blood and no interest. No, thank you, ma'am. It's not my thing either, but uh, I figured it was the only right thing that when I had you two on. So. That is delicious. That is really good. I'm taking another bite. You know what? That's actually pretty good. Right? It yeah. has like a cinnamony. Yeah, that's right. It does. Like if I had that and someone said, do you know what that is? I, I wouldn't go. Pig's blood, right? No. no, I actually do like it too. It's really good. I feel like last year it had more of a metallic taste. It like, did. Yeah, it did. right? Did you try it? I don't remember that. So the pig liver must, or not pig liver, the chicken liver <laughs> must have balanced it out. <laughs> right. It smooths out that little metallic blood taste. Yeah, that's surprisingly tasty. I can't imagine they would sell it if it tasted terrible though, right? I know. Oh, I wonder what the flavors that didn't make it. Or like for sauce. <laughs> Could you imagine? I think this one's totally tolerable and actually even good. Yeah. It's the crunch in the critters one that I can't really deal with because I know I'm just like <laughs> munching away. I'm just on munching that. away on mealworms and cricket legs. Well, the mealworm's probably soft. It's the cricket crunch that you're 
that cricket crunch that's just not just doing me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking up my Halloween flow. But the blood is good. You want more? I'm good. So Katya is afraid to eat this. She want to eat it? Just refuses to. Uh, oh on my principle. God. What about plugs before we go? I mean, I know everyone can find you guys and probably already have, but Well, yeah, if you haven't seen the Blade Brothers Dragula, it's on Amazon Prime all three seasons. It's exciting. Uh I'm not sure when this will come out, but it's a perfect thing to binge for Halloween and force your friends and family to watch. <laughs> uh, it is drag unlike anyone has seen before, and that's the truth. Oh, and I have to ask about the sclera lenses. Yeah. How comfortable are they to wear? Believe it or not, I find them more comfortable than the the you know the smaller, cheaper ones really? that you can buy. Yeah. Uh, because you have to get your eye fitted by an optometrist to see the diameter of your cornea or however yeah. they say it. But once they slip in, their original function was like a medical to protect the surface of your eye uh-huh. so once they slip in there you almost can forget that they're there oh, okay they're yeah. thicker than regular contacts it's supposed to be it's almost like a bandage for your eye yeah. oh, okay. and so the air can't get to it so if you're healing from something i find them to be very comfortable the whiteouts uh, the ones that we wear this season mostly are it's not about comfort but you can't see anything <laughs> oh really they, okay, they definitely obstruct your vision like yeah. uh, either way the best way i describe it is any detail in the periphery is gone yeah. Any detail in the shadows are gone. So you can you can see, but you can't really see well. But sometimes why you don't, you know, our floor shows where uh, the competitors present their looks. Yeah. You don't see us watching them because we can't have everything. And <laughs> we, can't <see laughs> we can't see anything. And then, well, then sometimes I know they think they think we're nuts and I've never told them this after, but they'll be standing there and I'll literally walk up like an inch of their face and like be looking at all of them, you know, cause I want to see all the details that they yeah. put into everything. But if you have those contacts and you can't see a damn thing. Yeah. So. Drag is different for everybody. And I, I, I talked to that about Katya before when she was backstage with us at Queen Kong and, you know, she was like really feeling the feminine energy of her drag. And we talked about, I was like, do you ever feel like that? And it's like, no, like that's not <laughs> like, I feel like a Disney villain when I'm in drag and I feel powerful, but it's almost sort of imperial. And it's like, it's not like that kind of drag, you know what sure. I mean? It's different. It's interesting. Cause you, there's so many different ways you can do drag. And uh, what the, and how that makes you feel how Laganja dresses to how we dress is sure. really different or into heck Lena and peaches and like everybody's experience is different. But I like to say for us, if we're not 100% uncomfortable from head to toe, <laughs> then we've forgotten something. Yeah. Okay. Something's off yeah. for sure. That's good. It's like when people say, if you don't have a little bit of nerves before going out on stage, are yeah. you still doing the right thing for yourself? So that's yeah. perfect. So if you're in pain, you're on the right path. Right. If Absolutely. your feet hurt, you can't see, you're sweating, <laughs> you're corseted to the point of where you can't even breathe, you have claws on so you can pick up and interact with the world in no way, in no yeah. meaningful way, then you're good. Awesome. People, <laughs> you know, people book you for stuff and be like, well, we're going to do this at 6 p.m. and then at 12, I was like, Tw- wait a minute, at 12, <laughs> at 12, I'm going to be asleep. I was yeah. like, this drag has like a three hour expiration. <laughs> Although now it's different with filming. We're, we're in drag for a long, long time. time oh yeah and it sucks very bad how long roughly what eight hours it's been longer than that. 14 hours before there's yeah. been times where there was one night not night it went over a two-day period basically where we got in a look we're in that look for like eight to ten hours had to take that look off <laughs> reshave and everything get in another look yeah. and then do it again at like Ugh, six in the three morning we were in drag for over 20 22 hours yeah, or something like that but it was like three different looks oh my but god we had to finish yeah we had to finish that night so yeah. it was just 
you think back on that it's just, you know how did you get through it yeah, and also how did you because get i'm it? sure if even if you were like oh we have three hours to sleep can't turn the adrenaline off mm-hmm. right and also being producers of it too you're yeah. thinking about all these things to like so. go that's the <laughs> So you're sitting there like sitting in the judge's booth and they're like, you're just in drag. You're just judging drag queen. But what's actually <laughs> happening is like people and you're like, the insurance, this, the camera did, this guy did this. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. like, you just have to sit there and look forward and be like, <laughs> for your outfit today, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how do you expect me to concentrate? You know what I mean? So how long does it take to do the intro stuff? Like when you're seeing the safe house and the uh, death scene some of them are more involved yeah uh, the opener the season one uh, the season three opener where we're you know in kind of incarcerated and in yeah, like, then the ambulance and all that was three days yeah to get to get all of that yeah um and and then some of them are a little bit more self-contained where it'll be like like one day at the safe house we can do that episode sure yeah like intro um the death scenes are generally shorter half day for one yeah depending on how complicated or we can do like three in a day depending on if we yeah there was one there was one night a lot of us like like fuck why are we doing this to ourselves (laughs) yeah Yeah, that when you're like oh i'm pissed at someone oh i'm pissed at us that's right like why am i oh yeah i made that decision (laughs) (laughs) this has been a wonderful uh day thanks so much for coming over thank you for having us yeah it's a pleasure my pleasure thank you for the ice cream hey anytime please yeah yeah uh the next time they come out with something with bugs in it we should all go together all right it's a deal maybe something for christmas time yeah For more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, sign up and slide on in to the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club.